welcome to the MinMax Show, a good place to forget bad things. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello. Jeff Marquiafava. Hey. And Suriel Vasquez. Hello. Oh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, this is a funky one. We have a lot of little things to talk about because even though the world has stopped, the world of video gaming has not really stopped. There's a lot to unpack. Uh, we'll talk about rumors of a Resident Evil 4 remake and what we want from that. We're going to talk about Valorant, the new game from the Riot Games, the, obviously the team behind League of Legends. Uh, a new XCOM game was announced, which is wild. Uh, Jeff Um is going to talk about tabletop gaming during the quarantine, which... Come on, you think, is that even a possibility? We say yay. Uh, and then some other rumors, and then we're going to have a wonderful transition and actually have Ana Diaz join us as well. You might remember her from uh, The Deepest Dive on Animal Crossing, or she was on the MinMax show before, and some of her tabletop stuff to talk about Persona 5 Royal, and then games beyond that. And then we have some wonderful questions from the community. Oh, feels good to be here, doesn't it? Yeah. I wouldn't know. We're not there, Hanson. Oh, yeah. yeah let's see. We're in um, different spots. It kind of smells a little bit like apple cinnamon in the MinMax studio. I did actually. I and had a, farts, right? Oh, <laughs> you would not believe how much I'm farting in here. I have literally written down timestamps of, was this fart audible? And it never is. So I'm very <laughs> pleased. Nice. Uh, but uh, I had a moment. Look forward to be back. Can't <laughs> wait to re-enter that studio. It'll have, we'll have new chairs by then. But I had a moment like setting up the MinMax studio today where I'm like, you know, I'm a little sick of being down here by myself. <laughs> it's nice to have everybody over the over the monitor here, and hopefully the layout and audio is okay for everybody watching or listening. But thank you for sticking with us. Uh, it's been fun. We just earlier this week had a marathon recording where we kicked off the deepest dive for Final Fantasy VII, which is our big community game club. And so it is Kyle and Jeffum and then my friends Grant and Ronnie on that one. Um, and we talk about the first four chapters of that game for three hours. Which, I know, it was like we could have played it in real time <laughs> as we were talking about it. Yeah, but believe it or not, there's a lot to unpack, and I feel really proud of it. I feel confident that it is the best, most thorough discussion uh, about Final Fantasy VII Remake on the internet, so you can find that on our YouTube channel, or if you want the podcast version of it, you can unlock that by supporting uh, us on Patreon at the $5 tier, because we got a lot more of that game to go through, and we'd love to read your comments. For the first episode... Uh, we had 230 people submit a comment, which is a new record for the deepest dive. But a lot of people have a lot of thoughts, and it's just unbelievable to take like the hive mind of the internet and then take the smartest thoughts and takeaways from that, and it just packs it into this show that's overflowing, hopefully with wisdom and fun. Ain't that neat? Anyways, uh, Serial, without spoiling anything, specifically after Chapter 4, you've been playing the Final Fantasy VII Remake as well? Yeah, I've I've poured uh, way more time into it than I thought I than I thought I would. Oh, but, really? What do you yeah, think? I'm on. Uh, I, I I'm really liking it. Um, I think the the combat in that game is is definitely uh, the star, and it, it it feels like they've they're basically applied what they've learned basically since Final Fantasy VII to that game. Um, a little bit of nine, a little bit of fifteen, a little bit of thirteen, yeah, some of ten. Like yeah, so. Um, the, the combat specifically feels very like this mix of like Final Fantasy 15 with a lot of the the like the stagger stuff specifically from 13. So it's like they all the lessons they've learned from previous Final Fantasies they they've just kind of brought into like kind of the one that a lot of people remember. It's either this or six, right? In terms of like most impactful Final Fantasy. 
it's debatable. Everybody has a different favorite and stuff. But uh, I'm curious, like with your fighting game expertise and loving stylish action games, what do you think about the Stagger system? Because even though we talked about the game for three hours, we didn't really go into it too much. But what do you think about that just systemically? Uh, I think it's really cool. I think that there are um, there there's so much you can do in that combat system that I think is really interesting. And a lot of the um, the boss fights I think are are really cool in that. Um, you are constantly managing your party in a way that feels very RPG-ish, but there is this really strong element of timing. So like with Tifa specifically, like the way that you have to power her up and then you yeah. execute different attacks um, and, you know, just like having to manage those bars. Um, it does feel like a very like RPG thing, but you're you're doing a lot of action stuff. It doesn't feel like um, so far I haven't had a lot of things where it's like, well, if you do like... Um, specific things you can dodge a lot of attacks there are a lot of attacks that feel like um you can dodge them but they don't necessarily give you a huge window so there are things where it's like very similar to like in an rpg where the guy's like okay i'm gonna charge up my like super powerful attack you have three turns so make sure you heal everybody because i'm gonna do a bunch of damage right uh, there are there, there are a lot of attacks that feel that way but there are there are things like um specifically cloud has uh his punisher mode um where if you press the r1 button in if you I, I, when you're doing that, if you if the enemy attacks you physically, not with like lasers or stuff, you'll pair the attack. Uh, so that's a, a thing that you can end up, end up doing really well. And I like the upgrade system. Um, so like that that combat, I think, is really well made. There yeah. are times when, um, as you're exploring dungeons and stuff, that it feels a little bit like here's this really robust system that we have, and then you're gonna execute it for like 15 seconds because this fight is very easy, and so you're just gonna mash the, you know, the square button. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm really digging the, the boss fights. Like the, um, there's a boss fight later easy, on. Uh, easy, easy, don't it. even easy. Well, I, I'm gonna try not to spell it. But I've had like one boss basically that has uh, really kicked my ass uh, a couple times. Um, I think you guys are. I don't know if I don't know if it's chapter, chapter four. four. You guys, you, you guys might be. Uh, let's say it's it's a robot that they hype up a lot. Let's say. Okay. Um, a hype bot. Yeah. There's a whole. You'll you'll know it when you see it, basically. But it's let's say it's on it's in a narrow arena. Okay. Um, and so that boss was the only boss where I was like, I'm not sure what this what like what strategy I'm supposed to do besides just like do it. Besides like do the thing you've been doing really well. But they there are like even random enemy encounters that are like, okay, I should I should pay attention because uh, you'll be like in an in a in like a dungeon and you'll be just mashing square button for a while and then like you know four of a particular enemy will come out and that is a thing where like I had to like basically pay attention and actually start fighting otherwise i was going to get wiped oh good i'm glad uh, you so didn't get it's, wiped it's, it's been pretty challenging like throughout um and so that the, the combat i think is is like by far like my favorite part of it and I, okay. I i like a lot of the characters um i realized that uh growing up having not played final fantasy 7 every time i looked at cloud he looked like this very like emo kind of like edgelord kind of character uh and playing it i realized that that's kind of who he is is basically he's like this very stoic like i don't care about anything i don't want to hang out but with he, people. he's trying to be cool even like the the head scenario writer emphasized that is like well with the new one he he's punching above his weight you know he's not as cool as he wants everybody to think and i think they do a good job of subtly getting at that but again that's final fantasy 7 remake if you want to hear us talk about it for three hours please check out the deepest dive and leave some feedback and share it with a friend if you enjoy it because we're proud of it um and the next installment is going to be next week and we're going to be playing up through chapter nine so the post will be on patreon.com slash minmax to end um on monday april 20th and then looking for your comments and then the actual discussion will be going live on the 22nd but 
Uh, Kyle, what did you make this week of the endless Capcom rumors? I don't know what's going on over there at Capcom, yeah. but it's an open book uh, that, hey, it turns out that M2, uh, that external development studio, they're going to be developing a Resident Evil 4 remake after all. Did we talk about Final Fantasy? Uh, I'm sorry. Did we talk about Resident Evil 8 as well last week? I don't remember because there's been so much. Yeah, I think it was. I think we talked about some rumors swirling about that with CVX for you. Okay. And we talked about Resident Evil 3. Okay, okay. But then, yeah, the yeah. 8 stuff. Do you want to give a rundown of what the 8 stuff is first? I mean, basically, there, there was a playable, like, I guess a demo that some people played. This is all rumor. This is, you know, difficult to confirm. But, like, they were playtesting this um, demo for, uh, Res- I keep saying almost Final Fantasy, but Resident Evil 8. And like a lot of different people submitted like tips to various websites, all that all kind of lined up, which makes it seem very real. Yeah. But it basically like all rumors are pointing to Resident Evil picking up right where Seven left off and being first person and like taking place in this like European village and like witches and stuff like that. I mean, and they said the hallucinations good, and like know? insanity sections and stuff like that, which sounds yeah. fun. I'm sure Resident Evil fans, I think, are going to be a little and bit Chris on edge. Chris is going to be there. Chris is going to be like a major part of it. Like they I remodeled him too. Yeah, I, I I'd heard that. Yeah, like because there's like multiple versions of Chris now. So I mean, it's all spec. It's not speculation, but it's all rumor. Yeah, and it all sounds cool. Like I, going back to first person Resident Evil, picking up where Seven left off. I like. The characters in seven i like sort of what the the table that was set in seven so i definitely am happy to see it continue if that is in fact what eight is going to be and that table know? in seven looks so good too but yeah so you're going to be like yeah, playing dead, gross, that, those dead animals in the microwave it's delicious mm. but yeah playing as ethan winters again who's the main guy in seven um and apparently it's going to be cross-gen released 2021 and it's going to be revealed this summer oh, but yeah. that was just the first chunk but but it's just yeah. like it's so exciting when they just say Resident Evil 8 will take place in a village. And even like the logo has like village in the eight. Yeah, the, the, the V-I-L-L is the Roman numeral eight. Which that is, seems very fun. I like it. Um, but just hearing the word village, and it's like, well, that's an awesome thing because that's the opening of Resident Evil 4, which is one of the greatest sections uh, in video yeah. gaming history. And we all know how much you love the Shyamalan film. Like it's just your favorite. I honestly, mm-hmm. I don't mind that film. <laughs> I think it's kind of fun. I will that film too, actually. I'm making a joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so rumors that M2 is going to be developing a Resident Evil 4 remake. And it, to a larger degree than with, I expected... Uh, with Mikami's blessing, supposedly, which I think is interesting. He yeah. turned down the opportunity to develop it and said, yeah, go for it. Which, again, all rumor, grain of salt, but I think that's interesting. I love that, yeah, in this rumor, it's like normally pretty surface level like oh they're working on this game but i love that it gets to the development details as well the idea that yeah mikami gave it his blessing but that he turned it down as that confusing thing where it's like well why how would he have been able to do that like isn't he full-time with his studio like it's a weird idea that he would have left his uh, new yeah, studio like, with bethesda not, to... they're not owned by bethesda i believe right? they are okay so like yeah, you're right. Maybe he just couldn't. Like, maybe he would have been up for it, but it would have taken Bethesda, like, loaning him out or, or he would have had to quit. It's it's complicated. Yeah. I don't really understand it, but at least he yeah. gave it his blessing, which is a nice thing to get yeah. out of this early rumor. But yes, that in 2022, they'll be releasing the remake of Resident Evil 4, and the internet um, seemed to lose its mind. A lot of people saying, <laughs> what are you doing, you idiots? Uh, don't remake Resident Evil 4. It's already perfect. A lot of people saying, what are you doing, you idiots? You skipped Code Veronica. <laughs> Please, for the love of God, go do Code Veronica, which is like, I love seeing that fandom for kind of the underdog in the series. You know, Resident Evil has a lot of underdogs, but the Code Veronica fans came out in force. I'm sure CVX Freak was losing his mind, friend of the show. Um, but what was your gut reaction to it, Kyle? Um, I'm okay with it. I know that rea- like that reaction of like, don't remake it. It's perfect. Uh, is a strange 
to me because yeah. it's like that movie that let remake potentially existing doesn't diminish the original game to me like and i would like to see resident evil 4 with modern visuals now if you had if you had presented me a choice between code veronica and resident evil 4 i would have taken code veronica oh interesting because i've never played it and i would like i'd like i would rather the sort of the one that's harder to come by and probably hasn't aged as well that's the one i would rather play yeah but like I love Resident Evil so four so much, I would love to see it remade. Someone shared, I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was some developer, but they shared a gift from the Hellblade two trailer. Mark McDonald. Okay, yeah, Mark Twitter, McDonald, yeah. right? And and like four. that to Play. me sold it really well. Is like imagine a Resident Evil four that looks like this. Yes, like, honestly, that had a huge yeah, impact on yeah. me too because he was talking about seeing that Hellblade two trailer. And just which is just like a crowd of people like holding torches. It really looks like it could be from Resident Evil Four. Yeah, you know? and and I loved his take of just like just imagine it. I know you say that it looks good now, but imagine what they can do in 2022 with you know next gen consoles. The RE engine, yeah. yeah and I mean that RE that engine is like some of the best looking games out there right now. Yeah, you know? and it's like it's weird that Resident Evil of all series doesn't have the benefit of the doubt on the remake path. Like strongest remake history for any series as far as i can think of at this point i know people were i mean most consistent yeah and, and yeah, also, yeah. also most prolific i don't i don't know that how, how many series have had that many remakes right yeah uh serial what do you want from the resident evil 4 remake uh what do i want i think i i want them to actually make use of ashley i think she was oh, kind of like this weird prop more than an actual character in that story um besides that like yeah there are a lot of segments that i i could totally envision being a lot more interesting they could maybe re there like I, I think resident evil 4 is as close to like a perfectly paced game as you can get but um there are segments like the 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 lake fight i think could use some touching up and obviously they're going to do a lot of interesting like you know reworkings of a lot of uh different parts of it do you think um, they tighten the castle uh yeah, they would probably not you know not to spoil stuff but like you they probably wouldn't have it you fight a giant robot at one point you know i think they'd probably <laughs> The game, like the 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 tone of it, I think would probably be a little less campy in that section. Um, but there there are a lot of set, like specific indiv individual moments that I could see uh, um, them doing really well. There's the whole section in the sewers with the bugs, um, which like the sewer section is generally not like a good idea in terms of most games. Um, yeah, and I, I think that they yeah like besides Ashley and uh, a couple of like tightening up sections and then a little bit of the island um they could definitely do it I'm, I'm very i'm more miffed about them not doing code veronica than i am kind of upset about like the legacy of re4 as a remake that's yeah. sort of where my kind of frustration lies is that like if i if they made a remake of code veronica that would close the loop for me personally as someone who had like that's the only one they haven't played because every every other resident evil like in the the main path i've played um and I'm not going to go back to Code Veronica at this point. That's insane. Um, <laughs> might be fun. Yeah, but like, you know, just I, I, I hadn't played Resident Evil 3, right? And so I was really glad that they remade it. And I'm hoping that even though M2, um, who was like kind of, they weren't the studio behind 2, I hope that Capcom kind of understands that this is one they have to bring their A-game on. I think there are a lot of expectations for this. Yeah, I so, would imagine. The, the Ashley thing is interesting, just to zoom in on that a little bit. You know, you say you want her to be more of a character. I mean, would you... 
you know, when do you want her to be a badass? Is there a, somewhere in between being a badass and being like just the dopey president's daughter that she is in that game? And would that involve then sections where you play as her? You explore. Well, you, you do more? play as her in four, but oh, really? like the, also that that section. Yeah, that's it's a, all stealth. The very, oh, yes, I don't even remember that. Section. Okay. Um, you solve a sliding puzzle. You dodge like pieces of art, like uh, suits of armor that inexplicable. Like they don't never explain why those suits of armor come to life. Um, but uh, just fall so, when you walk near them, yeah. I think <laughs> gotta, the best that they could do for is for uh, Atreus in God of War, where you're like, I'm glad I have Ashley with. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a thing where it's like, uh, you know, suddenly Ashley rides in on a motorcycle and kills like 40 Ganado, right? Like that. Uh, that's not necessarily the thing that I want. I just, I just want to be like, cool. I'm glad Ashley is here. I don't want her to go that way when you know the the all the times she's captured throughout that game because she's a total like damsel. Yeah. Um, it would be I, cool I, if she like found ammo for you or like helped you knock down enemies or something. Like, there's you're right. There's like there's some interesting stuff yeah, she could do yeah. to be helpful. Or if there if there was some like relationship system where you could talk to her on occasion and or like something where hey you're being attacked by a zombie and there's random chance that Ashley will like step in and like prevent you from taking damage. I think stuff like that that would <laughs> no! make Ashley. I mean, Basically, like, honestly, so, like you, her pulling Ashley a gun. Yeah, give Ashley a gun is what I'm asking. Basically, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I hope that they 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 manage kind of like the action stuff there uh, pretty well. I yeah. want, I uh, I want to hope they Wolverine guys again. You know, mm. I hope they don't mess with the inventory system. In fact, yeah. that was one of the rumors surrounding eight is that they were playing with bringing Resident Evil 4's system to Resident Evil Eight, yes. which they should absolutely. That's, so obvious it's so stupid that that inventory system just isn't in every resident evil game and uh the ability to kick doors open very important to me like that has to be in the game you have to you have to be able to do the thing where you can peek a little bit and then kick the door down and if they made better use of that where you can peek in and then it's like oh zombies all right time to kick this door in and yeah must all of those yeah uh that that stuff is really cool but i'm 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 honestly excited like playing Like, irrespective of the fact that this is Resident Evil 4, and I know it's kind of like a done, it was a done deal after 2 and 3, but just getting another game in that RE engine that is like that, I think is, yeah. I will play those until they're, you know, they they no longer sell, right? (laughs) Which will never happen. Uh, Jeff, um, if you could um, press the button right now, you have two in front of you. One says RE4 remake with QuickTime events and RE4 remake without QuickTime events. Which button do you hit? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, Thank you. I guess without. I think it's probably not going to happen anymore. But it, I wonder how many people are going to be nostalgic for those nonsensical quick time events of just like, okay, mm-hmm. been a long time, comrade. It, I'm going to have to watch this cutscene one more time just to get through this thing. And it would be kind of interesting if they if they went into it saying, okay, we're going to do quick time events, but how can we do them that's different or that would be surprising for the player? Yeah. And, and I, I would I would like to see an updated take or or kind of a spin-off take on on quick time events and mm. and can you make them more interesting or more interactive in some kind of way or just or you know, does that is that a mechanic that just better facilitates like bombastic moments than than if you have complete control over those in those moments? Yeah. Maybe you could know. like incorporate the dual sense like you know, instead of just flashing an icon on the screen, it's like, oh, when the bottom right of the controller starts to feel a little wobbly, then you know to hit R. You know, the something just riveting. Instead of when you're running the boulder. What's that? 
You have to yell Jareth into the mic when you're out running the boulder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jareth. That's a PT reference. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they, they, then they'd have to do the Krauser fight, basically. They'd have to figure out a way to redo that whole quick time event fight with Krauser. Yeah. I mean, I trust that they can do it, but very curious yeah. to see where that goes. And I have a feeling we'll know exactly where the future of all Capcom games are going with these leaks. Uh, so mm-hmm. thank you, VGC, and apparently everybody that's leaking these things. Um, hey, Serial and mm-hmm. Kyle. Um, and anybody that's not Jeff, um, Valorant, <laughs> the new Riot Games game. Um, yeah. We got into the beta. Uh, I played just one round. Um, Kyle, how oh, did so you, you play? played like four or five hours then? <laughs> the rounds are a little bit longer than I was expecting. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, how much have you played? Uh, I probably played like six or seven rounds. Okay. Of, I guess, or matches, I guess. I don't know. But probably like two hours total. Okay. And serial around around the same? Uh, I've played about six or seven matches at this point. Okay. So, yeah, signif- a little bit more than you guys. But not not like a whole ton to be like super in-depth on a lot of things. But yeah. uh, I, I feel like I kind of have the gist of it at this point. And it is... Yeah. And, and honestly, hear- the match length isn't... I'm not really complaining. It just surprised me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's like, oh, here. we're still going. Okay, cool. But I guess cool. if they're coming from League of Legends, like, well, it's a formula that works. Is you know, Or even rounds ba- going Battle Royales. I mean, I spend this much time in a Battle Royale match, you know, but it just, yeah. like, you know, it just feels different, I guess, because it's, like, divided into so many quick matches, you know? Yeah, well, let's zoom mm. out a little bit. So this is the yeah. hero-based game that's very, very inspired by Counter-Strike um, with just a splash of Overwatch in there, which is known as the recipe for uh, Buco Dolores, I believe. Um, Serial, what did you think of this thing? Uh, it, it, it's, feels like a very, for as popular as it is, it feels like a very specific, um, response to Overwatch, I think, because I think, uh, in the latter days of Overwatch now, um, a lot of people are complaining about how that game is approaching balancing and competitive, uh, play in that they're kind of always changing things up and then they're in in ways that people don't always take to. Uh, and I think that game has found it difficult to figure out like what is the competitive high level version of this game because i think a lot of the appeal of overwatch early on was that it kind of wasn't that that it was this very casual like just hop into a server play around like if you want to fight like six tracers versus six soldiers that's cool and in a specific mode and now they're adding like all these different like well now you have to have this very specific ordering style and they've they've been trying to figure out how to make it an esport basically right yeah Uh, and this feels very much from the ground up built to be like a high level please take this very seriously and get good at it kind of game they basically Um, have that message at the start of the game yeah yeah um so i I, you know it it immediately uh puts you into that headspace because it it, like counter-strike is a game where you have to take it very seriously um, because the the time to kill is so low, um, in that you are peeking around corners and uh, you you are immediately sniped if you don't know what you're doing, um, and the, yeah, so like there it is very like twitch. Okay, I see this guy. Like this is very important that I figure out like immediately how to get a headshot on this guy. Uh, all the counters are very quick, so there is uh, that high stakes. It, like the the stakes always feel very high. Yeah. Um, the, the the pacing of matches very much wants you to consider the map because you don't sprint. You are your default running speed is fairly like not slow but not quick. And it's uh, a sprint and, on shift. You have walk slower, so you don't make right, which is important yeah. because you make more you make noise when you're walking normally, but when you're slowing down, the enemies can't hear you. Right. Uh, also, so that, if you switch switching to the knife is basically sprint. 
which is kind of oh is that right oh i didn't know yeah that. Okay. so like so like I'm, I'm like running down the hallway with a knife pulling out my gun and peeking around the corner when it's safe i'm pulling the knife back out and running down the hallway again. right and, and also, yeah, like, it was very weird to hold down shift and not speed up. That was just <laughs> yeah. an odd feeling that I had to get used to. Yeah. And, and you are making these decisions about, you know, like in Counter-Strike, like, okay, what kind, how much investment do I have in any particular round? Um, like, you know, you're buying different guns like, and the better guns cost more money. So if you want to go in hard on this round, you're going to be like poor next round, et cetera, if you, if you lose. Um, and then the match length, I think, is very much oriented towards like what Counter-Strike uh, competitive play eventually became, which is like, we're going to play this many rounds because this is how many rounds we feel it takes to determine which is the better team, uh, which I think without, um, I, I want to say that as of now, they don't have like appropriate actual matchmaking. So it's just randoms. Uh, so I think like most of my matches have been complete routes. Um, where you know one team just had like a sniper who was who knew what they were doing and that just annihilated the entire team. Mine was actually um, pretty close. I was surprised. And uh, I've, I've had one match that went that way, and okay. it was like a forty-five minute thing. So they they very very much want you to invest very deeply in this. And to the and point that like we tried to play together, surreal, uh, and then you accidentally mm -hmm. launched the game early. And like maybe this is common for uh, MOBAs, a genre that I don't play too much, but. You were not allowed to not play that game. Like you could not yeah, quit the I, I game. I had to play which... that match out. Like I could not figure out how to abandon. <laughs> that is so. You know, there would have been a penalty. I you know, I would have taken that whatever penalty they they shot at me. But yeah. like I couldn't figure out how to do it. I tried turning off my computer and turning it back on and everything. And like <laughs> you were still I, playing. As soon as, as soon as I launched the game, it loaded me into that game because they very much. Wow. Isn't that, that wild? I mean, I mean, there is. I've left matches and it yells at you, but there is definitely a leave game option. Really? Okay. I just yeah. I, well, I I could not find it, but it, it basically <laughs> Sorry, yells at so you confused. and it's like you're ruining the experience for everyone else, party pooper. Are you sure you want to leave this match? Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got a kid. <laughs> yeah so yeah and, and and so like it is very much they like their immediate pitch for this game which i you know is fair coming from the league of legends publisher is hey this is our next esport yeah and i'm very and i think that's maybe why why they're rolling it out in closed beta and kind of being very restrictive because i think they they want to build up anticipation for people who have not played this type of game before versus like letting everyone try it at once and also they want to make sure that okay they they're pivoting correctly to what people want and um and are able to address, you know, like the things that might make it a more fun game. Cause I yeah. think maybe I know that it is for a balancing purpose or whatever, but right now I don't feel like the hero abilities, um, like factor in as much as maybe they should. I know that there are a lot of very interesting abilities. Like I've been playing a lot of Sage who has a healing ability, which is huge and a res. Yeah. But the fact that you have to buy those abilities, I think is going to scare off a lot of casual players. Um, I've even played, though they're cheap. Yeah, I've been playing Sage 2, and like it's so fascinating to play a healer in a game where the time to kill is so fast. Where it's just like, mm -hmm. boy, I wish I could be doing more, but unless somebody like pokes around a corner, gets shot anywhere but the head, and then comes back, like that is like the one situation where it's like, okay, I know I can help you, but otherwise I will just watch everybody die around me over and over again with like yeah. one quick headshot. Yeah, and as you're learning the game, which to be fair, I'm still pretty early on, um, until you, like, the, the game doesn't really explicitly teach you how to play those heroes in a match. You have to go into a separate screen. Right, at this point do. in the beta, yeah. Yeah, uh, so right now, it's like, I don't, you know, when I first started playing her, I didn't know what two of her abilities did, so I just never bought those abilities, because, like, why invest um, resources into something I didn't know how to use, versus, like, I know how to use a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, so why why not just stick with the with her healing ability and just let the rest and just basically play Counter Strike, right? It has such um, a weird tone where having some of those fantastical uh, abilities and stuff for all these different heroes 
It's like, okay, I know Overwatch. I love Overwatch. It's not Overwatch. Like, it's such a weird tone of mm-hmm. focusing on guns, focusing on this intense action. And then every once in a while, there's kind of a dry version of this fantastical flourish coming through the map. And it's like, oh, okay. Just, I'm still trying to get a feel for the game's personality, you know? Yeah. So I've hit a point now with Overwatch, which I've played a fair bit of, where, like, you know, if I'm browsing Reddit or something and someone shares a GIF of, like, whoa, look at this crazy play from Overwatch. Yeah. Like, I've hit the point now where, like, I look at it and it just seems like just color splashing all over the screen. Like, it's really hard to parse and understand because there's so many special abilities happening all the time that I'm like, okay, what is interesting about this? Like, even with an understanding of how Overwatch plays and works, where this, because special abilities happen less frequently, which is, like, you know, by design from Riot, I do find it much more watchable and much more understandable. Like when I switch to another player after I die, yeah. like I'm like, I was like, okay, I know what this guy should be doing. I know when they're doing well. Like Dan Tack has been playing a lot. Yeah. And he's been sharing a lot of like clips from him being successful. And even without having played at all, like he would share this like really great set of kills. And I'd be like, oh, that, that looks really cool. Like I'm impressed by that. And he did really well, you know, nice. which That's I don't really sign. get from Overwatch anymore. Yeah, it's a know? good sign for watchability moving forward. Definitely. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this game is going to be huge, judging from the Twitch numbers, which I know were boosted because people are trying to get codes and stuff. But I, we talked about it last time we talked about it on the show, but especially if this game could potentially be ready for the launch of the new consoles or somewhere in that window, like I think this thing is going to be an unstoppable juggernaut here. I mean, do you think it'll come to console? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if absolutely is, though. I mean, have they said as much? No, but there's no universe where they would create this game and not, it doesn't seem like nearly as impossible of a port as League of Legends, which, you know, even now they're bringing. Totally. I agree with you there. I just don't know if, like, I hope it comes to console. I just, I'm not as confident. And if it, or at least not confident that it'll be anytime soon. Yeah, I I imagine it'll be like late next year or something once once they have like, Uh, once they launch it on PC and it proves popular enough, which you know it probably will, uh, and they're like, okay, now we now with this new huge update that you know, well, I, I'm not gonna say retools the game, but like makes a bunch of uh, like important additions to the game. They said, hey, now we're launching it on early access and con- on console. I can I mean, see that it, happening middle of next year. And it doesn't. It does not have controller support right now. I not, don't think. I right? haven't tried it because I like I, it. I, 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 I turned that, on a controller and it didn't like automatically. Grab it actually it, electrocuted which, you, which I thought was cool. Yeah, I don't play. But this I mean, way. Yeah. and I think Riot, if they're going to bring it to consoles, like they would really take a lot of time to make sure it works well with a controller. To be clear, I like this a lot more than I thought I would. I really oh, kind of went in with like low expectations. Like I was like, eh, I don't really like Counter Strike. I'm not a big Overwatch guy, but like, I don't know. It just I think it's so freaking polished, and it just hmm. feels good that like I I've I've been going back to it a lot, like more so than like than I do for because I'm not even I'm just not a big online shooter guy in general. But this one's like clicking for me, and I'm I'm really liking it. Yeah. There's there's something to be said for a Counter Strike where people haven't learned how to play yet. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. The, when I started playing CS, I'm still getting bit, kills occasionally, which is very yeah exciting. yeah. So versus ca- my my first experience with Counter Strike, where I played like four matches, and it was just like, uh, n- n- like if people would like actually yell at me when I was peeking around corners because it's like, dude, I I know this game so well that I know the guy is there. You're going to die, and I was just immediately the second I stepped out, dead. Yeah. Uh, and so like there are you know you can watch your opponents your your teammates play when you're not playing and it's kind of gratifying to see them miss shots because it's like the expectation is that every time I die it's because every other person on in this match is just like you know shroud right like or like whatever you know esports player 
Um, and they're like just gods at aiming, right? And it's nice to see people like, oh, I could have done that. Like, I he missed all those shots. I would have gotten him. Like, it's nice to play at a, when the when the the skill is still kind of like overall lower. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's we got about a, a month of that. I think. I think <laughs> exactly. Oh, so play Valorant now, everyone yes. who does not have a, a beta. You're missing uh, out. Let me tell you. But also, it's never a game where it's like, oh, I cannot wait to have a full team of friends because like playing with randos. If you really want to lean into it, but like the games that I played, like barely anybody was talking to each other, and it's like you need you need to be able to talk here. Otherwise, it's you know yeah. not the best. I've been seeing some communication, and um, they make it pretty easy. Uh, it doesn't have like a. I wish it had something like um, Apex's pinging system where you just had a, a very powerful contextual ping that said, like, if you ping twice when you were shot by an enemy, it would say, like, hey, enemy here or whatever. Enemy at this, because they label all the spots on the map. Yeah. So, it's, it, like, if you ping twice on an enemy, enemy when you saw them and it said, like, enemy at, like, link B or site A, uh, it, something like that I think would be really useful. Um, and also just there's a ton of smoke screens, like, everywhere. Uh, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. I don't know, you know, eventually I'm going to get to the point where I am playing against those, you know, gods of aiming on PC and keyboard. And I'm either going to have to learn like individual gun spreads or basically stop playing. But uh, <laughs> I, it, I've been I, like, I've, I've enjoyed my time with it. It's just yeah. like, uh, the, I, I would like a more casual version of the game where it's like first to five not first to 13, yeah, nice. you know? Right, right, for sure. Well, hey, Valorant, keep your eye on it. It's going to be huge. Um, Jeffum, this week, yeah. they announced XCOM Chimera <laughs> Squad. Uh, super exciting. Yeah. You know, it's like they announced that XCOM 2 in the collection was coming to Switch on May 29th, and it's like, well, I'll look forward to playing more XCOM in May. And then they say, nay, how about April 24th? We're releasing a new XCOM game on yeah, Steam. Like two weeks or whatever. Yeah, did you watch the trailers for it? Uh, yeah, I, well, I skipped through the story, like, moving comic book action one and went straight to the gameplay one, which which did a good job of explaining all the systems. And it is, it is an interesting departure. And I I think at this point, I'm, my biggest question is what the scope of the game is. So it's interesting that like, you know, on the strategy layer, instead of managing the entire world, you're managing one city, you know, and, and the pitch here is mm-hmm. that, okay, now the aliens and humans are living in harmony. And so it's kind of like a, a wacky mashup of all these different species together fighting more evil aliens out there. Like a chimera. <laughs> Some sort of chimera-ish squad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It Well, the... the Story trailer was a little bit wacky overall. It is. It kind of has that like uh, blood dragon aesthetic. Yeah. Almost, well, that's you know? exactly it. Is the idea of this is a standalone, shorter experience. Experience. They're selling it uh, for ten dollars up until May first, uh-huh. and then it's going to be twenty dollars after that. It feels so blood dragon, especially with just the the color palette and overall aesthetic. It's like they're really intentionally hearkening to that blood dragon whenever you're trying to sell a funky standalone offshoot now it's just you go for the the neon and and that gets the point across yeah except then it's it also seems so much more complicated of a diversion than than a blood dragon it's not just like well okay now the enemies are wearing space suits and you have a laser pistol yeah it's like we are we are we are changing some fundamental things about that game i think the the whole breach mechanic that they're adding and the it seems it seems much more based on like individual buildings that you're going to be infiltrating and fighting in versus you know 
the large like city block maps that you would have to go through to find enemies first. Yeah, it was an interesting idea. And then they also are making it interleaved turns now, or it's not everybody take a yeah. turn, then the aliens take their turn. It's going to be kind of like a Final Fantasy X thing of like showing who's coming up next, and you can bump that order around a little bit. It mm -hmm. seems that I'm happy with all the decisions they've shown so far. It seems cool. Yeah, yeah, that seems like a like a huge difference. I can see how I can see how the city will kind of play out in the same way as the normal world map. It's just that now you're looking at different districts instead of different continents or whatever. Yeah. But the I'm really interested to see how how going character by character changes things. And and I want it makes me wonder how quickly you're going to get into combat on maps or because it, or, or if, or if the interleaving thing just happens once combat starts, because to me it would be weird. And, and I would think that it would feel slow if you are starting in a oh, map yeah. and you're moving, you're, you're trying to figure out where the enemies are. You know, that happens relatively quickly in XCOM because, because you are moving your entire team at one turn at one time and then it's 20 seconds for the enemy to shift things around in the shadows. But right. if you were just doing one character at a time, I think that would be slow. So I don't know if... if I'm sure the of... interleave will kick in once the combat starts and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's yeah. interesting. But, but then the the other thing that I, that I, as far as I can tell, is they've gotten rid of permadeath, right? What? Wait, did I miss that? I think, I think you can revive people, but I but, don't... But they can still die all the way, I think. But, but they said that that... And that fails the mission if it happens. But I, I don't know. It, it seemed from what I looked at at the website and everything that you have a set team of set yeah. characters. Oh, yeah, the really? They're all bespoke people instead of randomly generated. Yeah, there's like 11 different types. Yeah, I think. they you are. Build a team from those 11. Oh, that's bizarre. Because I saw that they had that system where it's like, oh, somebody's down, then you can uh, build a robot to like fill in. But, ooh, hang on. I don't know how I feel about this now. That's how I don't I don't know how I feel about that either. And when they were going through the base, it didn't seem like there was a recruit option like yeah. there normally is in XCOM game. So I was the whole time I was watching, I was thinking, are are you just set with these specific characters? That's really interesting it, for them to push story a little bit more. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. what I wanted. They definitely... And, and that, al that also ties into the scope of the game as well, yeah. which is which is why I, that was another thing that made me think, well, maybe this is a much a much smaller and more compact game. Also the fact that they're selling it for $10. But yeah, honestly, I, yeah, if it is $10 and it's, you know, an under 10 hour experience, like I'll be super happy with yeah, it. That's, that's, that's about yeah. as much XCOM as I would like to play this yeah, year. You know? uh, I, I'm, I'm interested in it because of that, because of that reduced scope. Um, be, you know, as, as someone who ended up like rage quitting the original XCOM when I basically like uh, strategized myself into a corner from an economic standpoint, uh, I, I like the idea of keeping things small. Um, and also, I, I, I saw that, I think it was Mike Mahardy, friend of the show, uh, mentioned that I think this could be a way for them to test the waters for some major changes. Like mm -hmm. the inner uh, levy turns might be a thing. Like, hey, if this works, we might put it into XCOM 3, but maybe they're just taking a bunch of risks and messing around with the strategy stuff to see what works and what doesn't. I saw forward. it a little bit as the opposite. So the interesting thing in the development is uh, the creative director, Jake Solomon, friend of the show, um, uh, from XCOM Enemy Unknown and then XCOM 2, he tweeted that he was not involved with this one. I'm sure checked in every once in a while and stuff like that, but that this had a different uh, lead. Mark Nata is a lead who is a lead designer in XCOM 2 overall. And I know that Fraxis was hiring for a big new team that Jake Solomon was heading up with like the art director from XCOM and stuff. 
Um, and so in my mind, it's like, oh, I thought they were going to be working on maybe something new, maybe XCOM 3 or kind of a, a reimagining of XCOM. But the idea that they're releasing... Classified 2, probably. Absolutely. Uh, but the fact that they're releasing this little standalone thing, I kind of see it as like a little bit of Dishonored's Death of the Outsider. You know, where it's like, great series, but like here's just kind of a little little test, a little thing while we go create something new. So I'm leaning in the direction that that original XCOM 2 team is now working on something else entirely. But maybe they are testing the waters yeah. for the future of XCOM overall. You never know. Which, by the way, if you're the Gears Tactics team, how, how mad are you at this point to see, like, oh, we're the only game in town. We got this. Oh, like, no. Like, two weeks ahead of time, someone is counter-programming oh, you. Like, the <laughs> no. person in the thing yet you're trying to do is stepping up and actually something. I did not even something. think about that. That's hilarious. Oh my God, they must be kicking themselves. I'm sure they're looking at the release date for the Switch version of XCOM 2 and we're like, Rrr. and then this thing just, I mean, it's an amazing release. I love these short windows from announcement to release mm-hmm. and they certainly didn't see another XCOM game coming this month. So super happy to see it. Um, on the list of- Yeah, I just wish that it came out on consoles. Yeah, just uh, get a PC, you baby. So uh, <laughs> oh, on the yeah, list right, of yeah. uh, smaller Fraxis projects, which is a very fun- certain niche in the video game industry. Um, do you all remember, let's see, let's see if we can remember the last, let's say, 10 years, how many smaller Firaxis projects can you all name? I mean, there were like two mobile games, right? Uh, there are three mobile games. One's a monster game. Haunted Hollow, great call. Re- yes, they I were on- I reviewed it. Oh, really? That's game, I liked it. It went on, those leads went on to create uh, are, are Beyond you sure? Earth. I mean, the like hour that I played it, it I fine. liked it. Yeah, I know. I'm being rude, but it, it was it was it was fine, just kind of forgettable. And then there was a piloting game, right? That's Ace Patrol even had Sid Meier's name on it. Yeah, right? Sid Meier's Ace Patrol. Yep. There's and a, I'm out. That's all I got. There's that mobile port of Civilization Revolution. That's true. Oh. And then the all mobile Civ Rev Two, that was in there. Uh, who could forget Civilization World on Facebook? And then this game from 2015, I had no memory of whatsoever, and the reviews were. And not 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 the kindest to it overall, but it was an offshoot of Beyond Earth, and it was Sid Meier's Starships. Does anybody remember this? Sounds it's like a four X game. Nope. It is wild. Anyways, uh, fun to see for access releasing new content. They're the best. I, I made a, I made a joke about Declassified earlier. I mean, they had nothing to do with that, no right. No, that was a two K Marin or two K Australia. Same publisher, but like developer just using the IP. Yeah. basically. Yeah. Yep, okay. Yep. Um, Jeffem. Tabletop stuff. Yeah. People are ready to hang out with friends or just interact with other people. What do you recommend? Uh, well, my wife and I are still playing a ton of board games um, this entire past week. But we three of them we played were kind of all takes on the deck building genre. Oh, no. And, and I think they are all wonderful recommendations if you're getting into board games if you haven't played deck building games the the basic idea is that everybody has their own personal deck of cards that kind of will give them abilities but the overall goal is that you are increasing that deck over time and you're kind of every every time you're playing cards you're reshuffling your deck and you're adding more cards to make it more powerful yeah it's kind of an an engine building progression to the games um, and so the first game, and I brought more visual cues for I them. I love this. Um, this one's dumb because I have I have an, a way too big version of it. Well, it's a big box. Um, it's a big box. 
Yes, it, it literally says big box um, because it comes with an expansion. But it's it's called Dominion, and it is kind of the it is the one that started the genre basically. Um, and it is it is still a great place to start. There is not a lot of actual theme to it. You're supposedly building your own little monarchy or kingdom out, but basically you are just trading in cards to get more interesting cards and. And it, it has an interesting progression to the matches because at the beginning you are just trying to get cards that will let you play more actions and buy more cards. And then you're kind of transitioning to getting more expensive money cards. And then at some point you have to tra- you have to figure out the transition against your player against your opponents um, when you should start really cashing in and trying to get the victory point cards, which yeah. all cost money. I, I, I've played Dominion. I'm not a big fan of deck building overall, but it seems like the best that I've played. There's also 3,000 expansions, but just start with the base one. You're fine just getting that. You don't need yes. the, the huge box, but I played it with no. maybe like four people, but you're saying a two-player version of Dominion still plays fun? Yeah, and and I would I I think I would recommend just two players because it is so back and forth. And the other the, one of the kind of shortcomings of Dominion as the originator is that you're you're not really doing a lot on other people's turns. You're almost never doing anything unless unless they're playing cards that directly affect you. But so the the more if you have if you're playing with five players, then you are just waiting a long time for everyone to take their turns until they get back to you. Yeah. Whereas some future games and spin-offs um, have figured out ways to kind of draw you into it. So is that your favorite? No, that's not my favorite. My God. Uh, the second one is called Space Base, which is right here. And I had mentioned this. This was the one that my wife kicked my ass in oh, earlier. Um, but but this one, the the kind of interesting thing is that you you have your own personal player board with 12 different spots on it that are numbered 1 to 12. That's where you're putting in your cards. And then on your turn, you'll roll two dice, and you use the die numbers in order to activate which cards. And so you can either do the two dice by the, you know, like a one and a five, or two and a five together, or you can do the seven. And so the higher up you go on your board, the less often you'll be able to activate those. So what's the what's the takeaway? It's Space Base is a deck building game for people who. Uh, it's. It's, so it's more interaction because the other thing is that once you replace a card from your slot, you you turn it around and it will give you bonuses on your on your opponent's turn. So so basically, every time someone rolls a dice, you will potentially have something that you can do. So it's it's a little lighter, it's a little faster. There's more luck to it because of the dice, but but then there are also just a ton of different ways that you can build out your fleet of spaceships and get lost while your wife is scoring all the points to win the game fantastic that seems great yeah uh and then the last yeah. one is called the quest for el dorado oh yeah and this one's interesting because um it, it there is deck building going on but it's it's a first and foremost a racing game where you kind of you'll set out these big hexagon tiles that will make a a pathway through the jungle to get to el dorado and then you're using your deck card to kind of play and move your character through the different, you know, different spaces, jungle spaces and desert spaces like that. And so you're you're you have this other goal with your deck instead of just trying to get a, a bunch of or more interesting cards and score points. Do you just want to be the one who gets to the end first? Yeah. Uh, and and that's that your favorite out of the batch? 
Uh, I would have to say Space Base. Okay. Even though I got my butt kicked, but it seems like there's a lot of there's so much variability there in terms of what to go for and how to set out your cards and stuff. And I think they're I think all of them are are great kind of entry level games. Even if you don't play a lot of games, they're not they're not so complicated that you would be lost in any yeah. of them. So uh, you'll be happy to hear that uh, I have raptor it just arrived in my house and so i'm gonna be playing nice. that tonight uh, based on your recommendation and uh, please don't let me down because i want a cool asymmetrical velociraptor game it, i don't know how it how it could let you down oh perfect um at, at the very least you'll have a bunch of little raptor figures oh good and i can sleep with those <laughs> yes okay great uh, it's on the side of the box it says can sleep <laughs> there's a little bed with a guy sleeping with a raptor uh so jeff um, uh this last week I checked out Tabletop Simulator finally. It's been crushing. Yeah, it's been crushing the Steam uh, sales charts with the quarantine. Everybody's checking it out. Leo Vader, friend of the show uh, from Game Informer, was raving about this for so long. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I trust Leo, but he's into a lot of that kind of freaky PC stuff that I can never quite <laughs> yeah. get, get my mind around. And now in this time, it's like, you know what? I would like to finally see what this is about. Booted Tabletop Simulator up. It blew my damn mind. It is yeah. so cool because like it's, you you buy it and you boot it up and it's like, okay, you can shake dice virtually, do these things. But the part that is absurd is when you go to Steam Workshop and then it's just, mm-hmm. hey, what tabletop game do you want to play? We have every tabletop game throughout history. Have at it. Yeah, FYI, all three games that I mentioned are readily available on they have like multiple different versions and people have made them and kind of done the scripting and stuff the the one thing about the scripting that you should know is that it won't it won't let you know if you're breaking rules as as you're playing most of these games like you still have to know the rules yourself it's not going to teach you how to play the games but if you know it then it basically gives you all the pieces and kind of automates some dealing out cards and things like that for all these different games. And basically, because you can make your own scripts and everything, people have just been filling them out with their favorite games, and they have covered pretty much everything at this point. I mean, it is absurd. If you want to spend $20 on Steam to have a way to try out any mm-hmm. tabletop game in an approximate way before you spend, you know, 50 bucks or whatever you want to spend, or even more than that for some more complicated games, um, in the real world, like, it is just unbelievable that this software exists kyle do you have any interest in this thing um okay leo i'm thinking back to when leo would really sell it like i think he even said at one time like it is his favorite game of all time which we're like wait hold on i think that's cheating and uh he i remember he would talk about there's vr compatibility yeah where he would be you'd be able to like sit down and like interact with elements of the board and stuff like yeah i'm just i'm not as into board games as you guys are. But what about like I, virtual I, board games, Kyle? Oh, those they're completely different, I assume, right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, <laughs> hey, what about this? What about this? Maybe I can rope in with this. I was looking through like the most popular of all time uh games that people have recreated in Tabletop Simulator. And there's this game where I'm like, this can't be a real thing. Turns out it is. There's a full like Legend of Zelda RPG from like the 80s oh, with like this incredible art and it looks really complex in a really delightful way. And it's like I think we're gonna have to play this at some point, Jeff. I think we're gonna have to stream at some point during the quarantine for a. I think so too. Yeah, and that I mean that's the nice thing if you if you aren't quarantined, like any of these games you can get from Amazon. But if you don't already have a partner that you're quarantined with, yeah, you can't be 
games. But Tabletop Simulator, for as far as I can tell, makes it really easy for people to get into a lobby together and then play these games. And the other interesting thing is that it's also, they have physics for everything in it too. So you can play like dexterity games and stuff. You can actually flick the different pieces and things. Oh, and, it, and there's a dedicated button. This is the best part. A dedicated button to flip the table at the end of the game so that the pieces <laughs> fly everywhere. Which is like, space. it's alarming because it's just like a button on the screen. It's like anybody can click that at any point. Uh-huh. That's like terrifying. It's like playing a tabletop game with like a gun to everybody's head other than cash yeah. and guns, of course. Um, but I was right. amazed that like, a game that I have from my childhood and I love, but it's impossible to find, is Pokemon Master Trainer, which is this uh, Pokemon uh, tabletop game. And so we were going to stream it, and then the, the quarantine hit. And mm-hmm. it was amazing. When I went to like the, the most popular games on Tabletop Simulator, they had so many different versions of Pokemon Master Trainer that people have created, including like adding each new generation of Pokemon on there and like recreating it in 3D. And I just love the idea that this, what I thought was obscure licensed game from the late 90s just has uh-huh. this crazy fan base on tabletop simulator and people can experience this i think genuinely really well done pokemon tabletop game yeah yeah now once we actually play it instead of just getting to the end and saying sorry you can't get this anymore yeah. you can say go play it on tabletop simulator it's technically 20 dollars, and then you just install the the workshop mods and stuff like that but well, also how, how does that work what about like trademarks and is that yeah just, we don't have to don't worry about it don't worry about it, it. Don't, don't, don't mention Everyone that just turning a blind eye i guess yeah. is how Shut that the f- i mean there are some official dlcs right on the page yeah. like i saw that there was this okay. game uh, wingspan which i've been kind of curious to check out that's yep. like Birds. Yeah, so so Stonemeyer Games is one that it seemed like all of their major releases they must understand the importance of this kind of thing, and so they've made official ones that you can download. But they're real happy right now. Yep. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. confusing though. Of just like, well, can I find unofficial Wingspan ones, or is Berserk Games, who makes Tabletop Simulator, like nuking those from the workshop? Yeah, it's, it seems like they may have. I I think I saw that for for one of their games. That I think someone someone had mentioned in the reviews for the DLC for that that they had been removing the official mm-hmm. or you know the unofficial ones. Yeah. So it's also weird because they have they have um, wings because I was looking into this because I saw that Wingspan was like hey it was a bu- on a bunch of lists of like you should play this tabletop game with your friends uh, and I saw that they have uh, an actual Wingspan game that is coming to Steam in early access mm-hmm. and then they have a DLC for Tabletop Simulator. But I yeah, guess the difference is that like the official game is going to be like more fleshed out and have like better, better. Yeah. Mods. Yeah. And so and so that's true of Scythe and, and some of the other ones as well. And and those those versions, if you really like a game and you just want one of those, then absolutely go for the official app because that will actually automate all the different turns and it will give you AI to play against and everything. I, I guess we didn't mention that, that. Obviously, there's there aren't AI opponents for these games. You have right. to have other people to play against. Yeah, uh, and I know you all won't care too much, but I tweeted. Well, it's weird because I I tweeted this like joke of from Animal Crossing where you can buy a board game in Animal Crossing, and I like zoomed in on it and took a picture, and I think I tweeted out like it'd be fun if somebody tried to design this Animal Crossing board game in real life. And then I think I even sent it to you, Jeff. I'm like, hey, if you want a weird mm-hmm. quarantine project, you should design this Animal Crossing board game. That'd be really fun. Of course, I go to Just most popular. Jeff, like huge assignments. And here's the <laughs> yeah, idea: that I, it would take a lot of time. If you that wanted would to, be a, it would be a great screenshot. Yeah, I can't remember if I if I respond to that, but I was like. No, yeah. If if I'm going to design a board game, I'm not going to do it as a one-off <laughs> Animal Crossing it's just joke. Yeah, it's just an idea. But, I don't have that much free time. But the amazing thing is that, of course, I go to most popular recent 
and people have created the Animal Crossing tabletop <laughs> game in tabletop simulator. It's like, oh my God, That's of awesome. course. The internet's incredible. So I look forward to playing that. I'm going to play Deck Quest, which is kind of like a D&D light uh, thing that Leo's always raving about. Hopefully uh, I'll play with Leo here and, and give it a whirl. But we'll probably keep you up to date in the future on our adventures through tabletop simulator. But I've been very impressed so far. Um, yeah. Okay. Jeff Marchiafava, we love you dearly. But um, it was a time. It's time for you to clap out, dude. It's, it's the Logan's run moment for me to flow out off. And Looking a little old. Yeah, got to go. Ana Diaz. Hey. Welcome back to the show. Uh, people might recognize your voice from the Animal Crossing Deepest Dive, uh, mm-hmm. where I think it was just like three hours of everybody shaming me for being horrific at Animal <laughs> no, Crossing. No, that was not the goal, I swear. <laughs> uh, it was super fun. How's Animal Crossing going for you now? It's going well. You know, Bunny Day is over. So I think that's huge news for everyone involved. Um, I think like that was frustrating, like the majority of um, the people playing it, at least in my circles. Oh, yeah. And like, I'm got happy to, the... to have like a regular drop ratio for fish now. Absolutely. It's so weird because I didn't really get into fishing. And then I was like, well, I should probably get into fishing. You know, everyone's raving about it. And it seems to be the main activity for a lot of my friends. But I was like, well, it's I'm so not... hot right now. It is. I'm, just like, I can't, I'm not going to do it during this bunny day season because I'm just getting eggs up the no. butt. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not worth it. Like I did. I honestly, I didn't fish at all. Um, and before bunny season, it was like my main activity. Uh, well, thank God. Uh, the bunny has been put to rest. He's been <laughs> put in the cave and they put a huge boulder in front of the door. So Bunner T. Zippy or whatever his name is won't come back for another year. It really is going to be fantastic. Pay your respect. <laughs> uh Anna, you've been playing, you said a lot of Persona, sorry, Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. Persona 5 Royale? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. great. This Persona is grata. <laughs> it's it's not Royale, which is like a weird Royal. thing. It's know, Royale in Japan, but it's Royal in North America. Yeah. What a okay, because in my head, I've been reading it as Royale, like the entire time. Well, like, it was announced as Royale. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's confusing. And, and, just like a quick story here. Wife loves Persona. It's her favorite game. She had been wanting to replay a Persona recently. Yeah. And for, for months, she thought Royale was another fighting game. Royale. And so I would I would text her and be like, hey, do you want Persona? Should we buy this? And she's like, I don't care. And then it was like <laughs> the day before I was like, I finally like realized that she didn't understand what it was. And I was like, no, this 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 is the Persona 5, but with more content. And she was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, I need oh that. God. So, like, I've been listening to her play Persona 5, like, all, like since it came out. And she loves it. Soundtrack Does she know works. about Scram- Persona 5 Scramble, though, which is a different Musou-style <laughs> game? Like, that, yeah, she's aware. She's aware. I, I don't think she's interested, but we'll see. Oh, okay. boy. Uh, real quick, uh, Serial, you played the base Persona 5? I know you're a big Persona 3 guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I played through Persona Five when it came out, and I, I finished it. The game was over. I finished it. it I completed that's, it. No, that's that's I, not I, possible. I, I climbed uh, that mountain. <laughs> I don't think it's so very I have excited. the receipts. Mm-mm. No, uh, Anna, hours. But you uh, played the original or just ro- Royal here? So I'm hopping in. Yeah, just with Royal. Okay. Um, I don't think, like, to be honest, because of how long Persona games are, it's really hard to sell over a hundred hours of gameplay. Um, just for some added content. So this will be my first time with Persona 5. I feel like you're doing it right. Because even, you know, let's say there's some fantastical alternate dimension where I finished the unfinishable game Persona 5. The idea of like starting everything over again just to get this new stuff 
That's a really tall order. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Persona 5 is great because it's one of those games in the Persona series in general. Like, you get what you put into it. Um, but it's hard to be that demanding of players for, like, basically the same title. And I think that um, with Persona 5, and, like, it's just, like, 100-plus hours of gameplay, it's, like, almost, like, disrespectful to your time, you know? <laughs> Ooh, in the best <laughs> like, gaming way, yeah. Like, so I just, I'm excited, but I've, you know, I'm super pumped to jump into five and it seems like it has improved on a lot. And I've been reading on, you know, like the differences between yeah, five so and five what, Royal. What did they change? Um, yeah. So they've changed, like, it's interesting because it sort of seems like smaller, um, things that would just be like DLC and adding on. Um, but it's actually quite like altered gameplay and the story quite a bit. So I have seen people who played five, um, still play through five Royal and really enjoy it. Um, so, like, one of the biggest changes that Royale's bringing is new confidants. So these are uh, characters that you build bonds with, and they help you um, power up and unlock certain in-game sequences. Uh, they're basically like friends. Uh, and so one of the new confidants uh, you get, you see in, like, the first five minutes of gameplay, and actually uh, plays a pretty large role in the new story, and so uh, consequently has altered the story quite a bit. Huh. Cyril, is there any chance you'd go back to Persona 5? Yeah, this is definitely, like, for a while I was eyeing this, or Final Fantasy is the next game I was going to play, and I'm still very tempted to to jump in, because, yeah, they, they added, like, a whole new, I think, semester even. So it's yeah. like a, a bunch of days on the calendar to make that confidant stuff a lot easier. Yeah. And so that's, like, what's good is um, it's actually quite easier to play through the game because there's just more time. Um, the first game seemed like you really had to pick between powering up and hanging out with your friends, and both are really important. But now, yeah, there's that, or you ended up making like this. You went up and looked like at a, a FAQ and just like, here's literally how you should spend every I know. day. Oh, and I don't like playing games that way, so yeah. I just ended up not do- maxing everything out. Yeah, yeah. And as far as I've heard, it's like fine if you don't max anything out. But also, like I'm the way I play games is. If maxing some stuff out like early on can help me enjoy the game later, like I'm definitely going to put that investment in. And it seems like that's a lot easier with Royal. Yeah. So uh, here's a dumb question. How does it feel to play this game right now? Does it feel like you're just escaping to live in uh, Tokyo and just live in an alternate dimension here? Yeah, it's really fun. Actually, like, okay, one of my favorite moments um, playing the game was like getting lost in the subway station. Like, <laughs> I was supposed to take a specific line to school. And I was like, Oh, no, like, am I not like I was carefully following the signs, like looking at everything, asking people for directions. Um, and that kind of bothers some people because it can get kind of confusing, like navigating the world. So they'll just fast travel everywhere. But for me, um, that sort of, you know, scratched that itch of just like, going out and not knowing a place and figuring um, out, you know, how to get somewhere. Yeah, it was much less fun in real life. Uh, Surreal, remember when it was you and I and Dan Tack on the Sekiro cover story trip uh, navigating Mm -hmm. the subway and I reached a tipping point with Tack? Of like, mm-hmm. either shut up or help. But I cannot have you just complaining. Because <laughs> it was three like, minutes. he was the one who wanted to do the thing that <laughs> oh, we I were know, going to. In... Anyway. Oh, I know. And it was, was everyone also just like weird, faceless humans around yeah, you? Yeah, that was the but... other weird thing. Is that... <laughs> They're that all talking it. about the same thing. Yeah, exactly. but the music was amazing. <laughs> the music's fantastic. That's, by the way, that's been amazing. Like, my wife is, she stays up very late playing it. So I've been falling asleep to, I'm a shapeshifter. Like, so. <laughs> <laughs> That, yeah, so that's, I, I, that's a great way to play Persona 5 is just having someone play it in the background of your house all the time. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Yeah. 
So, Anna, did you choose Persona 5 over Final Fantasy VII Remake? Because I noticed a lot of people were writing in, like, what do I choose? Like, who is it? Uh, Micah Martin's like, how dare they release these two huge games so close to each other? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm going to play through all of Royal first. Um, it was, like, a hard decision, but I sort of figured it, because I knew I'd be seeing people talk about Final Fantasy, the remake, a lot. Anyways, I kind of wanted, like, a different experience, and... Um, for me, like given the time period, um, I thought like it would be a nice game to play because, you know, it does incorporate like a lot of daily rhythms um, that I don't have right now. So, you know, like oh, getting yeah. up, going to school, running errands, hanging out with friends. It's like a really nice compliment to um, being stuck inside all day. I didn't even think about that. You were yeah. talking to your cat a lot, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely character. I have some thoughts on I didn't think about that. That's so, that's so interesting and, and perfect. Like in a time when no one knows what day it is, they're sleeping in, just the weekends and the weekdays have all blurred together. To have an RPG where it is all about daily structure, that's got to be really mm-hmm. satisfying for people. Yeah, it is. And um, it's just like, it's kind of like the life I know that I could live, but I'm not living. <laughs> <laughs> Every part of my day is perfectly planned out. Um but if I really want to, I can like slack off and go see a movie. Um, but it's still like it's so yeah, it's so regimented. So the game is you know di- divided up into uh, morning, day, um, like afternoon, evening, um, basically. And so you can kind of like pick and choose what you do with that time. And uh, you have like various activities you can do. So you go to batting cages, uh, go to the arcade. It's you know it's just like really nice structure yeah. <laughs> when there is nothing else right now. That sounds fantastic. Uh, I saw that this was just breaking right before we started recording. Kyle, you're you're a news hound now. I don't know if you're watching this, oh. but uh, it seems like a ton of Sony games are getting, or PlayStation exclusive games, I guess is a better way of putting it, are getting listed as coming to PC from Amazon France. And one mm. of them was uh, Persona 5 Royal might be coming to PC because it's just PS4 exclusive now. But that was listed on there along with, Kyle, you're looking confused. Did you see this stuff? No, I saw it. Uh, okay. It's funny, Suriel, while you were off using the bathroom uh-huh. to uh, mm-hmm. peel the curtain back a little bit, Suriel and I were talking <laughs> about it and how we kind of like don't put a lot of stock in it. Mm. Um, and actually that to me is evidence, Persona specifically, is yeah. evidence to me that like maybe those aren't as legitimate as we'd like them to be. Why is that? But I mean, Persona, the thing about Persona, I, I don't know anything, none of this is confirmed, but like, you know, that game came out on PS3, right? There's no reason that game shouldn't be on. He's breaking down. And like, is that game to come to Switch? But everyone is like the sort of the thing that's like rumored or that I, I assume is that Sony has some kind of contract with Atlas, where even though that game could technically come to other platforms, like they're contractually obligated to keep it on PlayStation. I mean, uh, this, and, and this that is to a me of... like kind of like locks it into PlayStation more so than like a Days Gone, which is another one that you know is rumored to be coming to PC. Yeah, but I I I don't know. I mean, I th- I I think a lot of those games coming to PC is not insane. I mean, it's already happening, but I just I don't know if that Persona is going to be one. No, no past Persona has ever come to PC. As far things as things change, man, and like I mean, you talk about things oh, it's locked into yeah. PlayStation. We don't know what that contract looks like exactly, totally. and it's like it's a lot of assumption on my part for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kyle. Uh, but no, yeah. so uh, the list right now of games that are rumored to come to PC, according to Amazon France, are Day is Gone, Persona 5, Gran Turismo Sport, Nathan Drake Collection, and then The Last of Us Part 2 was also listed. <laughs> it could be nonsense, but Serial Predict It right now is that nonsense. 
Uh, I think it is. I, I don't. I could see some of those coming to PS4, but I think it for whatever reason I think the fact that th those are all PS4 games makes me think that it that it is kind of this weird like you know clerical error because um, I yeah it, it seems it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of reason to do that. It's I was telling Cal this earlier, but it seems like it's one step above when a retailer lists like, hey, this game is coming out on December thirty first. Uh, and everyone says, well, that's, that must be the release date. Just it a has weird to be something thing. where it's like, But, I know. mean, think about, you say there's no reason. That could be, other than money. And you think about the fact that, like, if a lot of games are going to be slowing down the development, they're not going to want to release games during this time, you know, Last of Us Part Two being delayed, stuff like that. Like, this would be an amazing source of revenue, but... I understand it's not like, oh, there's a quarantine. Let's quick press the button and get those on PC. I'm sure a lot of work has gone <laughs> into this. But in any world where they had that work already in development, like in this time, it would be an amazing period to just fire off all these PlayStation exclusives on Steam, right? Yes, which is why I think uh, if you were going to do something like that, that it it, it strikes me uh, strange that they are going with so many recent titles, like that these are such listed titles. Because if, if this were part of an initiative from Sony to say, hey, let's bring a bunch of our exclusives to PS uh to to pc like why wouldn't we see like stuff like god of war on the list right like, it you, is uh, you would think that there would be stuff from across the entire generation you know like knack that game that everyone's been dying to see you know running on on 4k i bet they frames, could sell a million knack copies on steam they could yeah, do i mean just for the meme culture alone of just being like people ironically buying it yeah. to tweet yeah. a donkey Anna, like you're young yeah. you understand this memes sell right like that's it <laughs> yeah. that's all you need yeah well i feel like that's the <laughs> you, you know that. like any successful game these days has to have, you know, like really solid shareable content. Um, oh, okay. like, <laughs> yeah. Speaking that it actually, I was just trying to make a dumb joke, but you're right. I mean, I wonder how much of that is leading to animal crossing sales. Just having, oh, to, it's so yeah. shareable, so easy to just press a button and put up stupid mm -hmm. photos that people are like, what is this? Yeah. Well, and also like, I mean, I think we really started uh, seeing it with like Pokemon, let's go Pikachu and Eevee where, you know, showcasing cute creatures doing things. It's like basically free social media content for them. <laughs> like it's wild. Like imagine how many social media marketers they would have to hire um, to get that amount of like viral content. Like you can't, you can't even buy it. You're right. You're right. And now with the PS5's create button. Just imagine it. May, they could probably have a whole <laughs> section just for memes and putting the big text on there and all that fun stuff. People will still just take photos of their TV. Well, of course, not. it's just—it's so easy. It's right there. But uh, horizontal. <laughs> Anna, <laughs> please, Anna, you're saying something about how you're checking out like MMOs during this period or something. For yeah, um, so I've been sort of poking around some online communities. So those like are ones that I played growing up. So like RuneScape and Club Penguin. Um, just for like possible stories, because basically what I've heard is that there's been a large influx and, and I've gone to those places and like seen this and talked to people, um, call it with college students coming back and like, uh, a bunch of Gen Zers coming back, having all this free time. Um, oh, interesting. they're just like, they want that community. They're going back online. And Club Penguin is the place to hang out. Yeah, no, uh, like no joke. So, um, Club Penguin's really interesting because like there are two Club Penguins, um, they're both like run illegally. It's technically the IPs owned by Disney, um, oh, but fans have kept it alive. And now both of those um, like knockoff clone Club Penguin sites, their servers are full. Um, they've been down like they've you know had record visiting numbers. Again, like how trustworthy are those numbers? Um, like are they inflated a bit? Like maybe, but you know you go on and um, <laughs> the the disco tech is bumping. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is a is Disney doing anything with the Club Penguin IP? No, they're not. I think they're um, squandering it. Is what they're actively oh, exactly right. yeah, the Penguin yeah. squander. Yeah, yeah, that's horrifying. <laughs> like, I mean, in terms of you know, they got John Drake over there. They're kind of doing something with their gaming division these days. Like that seems just tailor made for bringing back in some free to play form, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of like begging for it at this point. And even the fans who've made these really um, established like Cub Penguin clones that run really well are like, we wouldn't be opposed to Disney bringing it back. Like we only have this here because like the option to play, you know, officially isn't there. Um, And they could still make a lot of money off of it too. Like even if, you know, so I don't know yeah. what they're thinking. A uh, very dumb question. In Club Penguin, do you play as a penguin or do you hang yes. out in a cl- Okay, everybody's yes. a penguin. Everyone's a penguin, yeah. Perfect. Have they ever done a crossover with the penguin? Has has that Batman villain ever appeared? Mm. Uh, no, there hasn't been. They actually do like, they do a lot of like holiday themed events like constantly. Um, oh, so Calendar Man, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Get it. exactly. Uh, okay, what I saw you tweet about the other day, and I was just fingers crossed, like, God, I hope Anna knows everything about this. Do you know a lot about Roblox, or <laughs> what is your history yeah. of Roblox? Yeah, so um, I did, like, okay, so one of my biggest reporting pieces while I was at Polygon was on Roblox, um, and it was on, like, these uh, teenage, well, you know, like, teenage um, developers who were, like, scamming other teenagers. Um, and so throughout that process, like, I've entered like throughout my various work have like interviewed dozens of developers and I've played it and like grew up more with it. I wouldn't say I was like ever a Roblox player. Yeah. Um, but I grew up around it. Like my family members played it. Right. I'm really familiar with the platform. So yeah. Uh, and uh, here's a dumb question too. Is it cool? Is it cooler than we think? Should we all try out Roblox during this quarantine? Okay. Well, here's the thing. It's funny. Like, so I don't really play Roblox because I mean, it's a really limited age audience. It's definitely aimed at players. Like the bulk of the players are minors. Um, but I think like what's cool about Roblox is there's sort of like a weird artisticness to some of the games. Um, I think what's really special about it is that uh, these teenage usually the developers are a little older so like 16 to 22 is the general age range for the people making games on Roblox um, like they haven't grown up with preconceived notions as to like what makes a game a game and so they don't have like limiting you know like a limited imagination so to speak and so I think what's really cool about it in uh, a way that's sort of slept on is you have like really interesting, like a lot of times they flop, right? Like genre crossovers. Um, But then sometimes you play something that's just like so unique that you haven't seen, like it kind of charms you. Um, I love that idea of like, you know, an Activision or just a big company, a Blizzard, like looking for the next genre in Roblox. You know, it's like sifting through like what is gaining popularity. I'm sure they have somebody on the payroll, some of those big companies looking at that stuff. But Kyle, I didn't expect to talk about Roblox too much, but has your daughter checked it out? Uh, no. This is I have a weird story actually. I chaperoned a field trip uh, like a year ago, and uh, I was talking with one of her classmates, and uh, he was the best Roblox player in the world. Actually, he was number Wait, one. What does that mean? Wait, you, you, okay. I don't know, but I <laughs> met him. I met okay. him. He's in my daughter's I, uh, class. He's the best <laughs> Roblox the best player one. in the world. Yeah, that's my question. How do you know he was the best ro- Roblox? I player trust in the world? him implicitly. Oh, so he, he told you that he was. Yeah. The best. And you and he didn't even know what he was talking about. And you looked what in his eyes and he he had an honest soul? 
<laughs> yes, that's right. And then he pretended to be a cat for the rest of the day. It was very true. <laughs> but he, wait, um, well, that's no, how you know. You know. It's it's funny. I've actually kind of uh, pushed her toward it a little bit sometimes. Like asked her, like, are do kids play it in your class? I'm kind of curious about it. If you want to check it out, I'll check it out with you. Yeah. And she's personally not interested. But uh, Reiner, Andrew Reiner's daughter, that's right. plays it a ton. Like she's like a huge Roblox player. So, and it's like, what what is? How did you phrase your question to Anna? You said, is it cooler than we think? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's certainly more popular than we think. Well, yeah. Like the, yeah. Like the investment that is like going into that game is insane. But yeah. Um, I'm I yeah I've never I've never played it I've never touched it um I'm very curious about it though it's a weird yeah. world well and it's that's the thing it's like it's honestly it's like such a large community um like some of the most popular Roblox games so like just for a little background um kids mainly will use Roblox to make games and then play games so it's not just um like any old um like mmo it's uh kids get to like design their own experiences and so like the most popular games can have like i think one over the summer one broke six million concurrent players what so these are like really big games um and i know roblox developers who are making millions of dollars like i talked to an 18 year old who owns an LLC um, like in San Francisco and is like paying, I saw a job listing for Roblox dev and the pay was like the pay range was 70 K to like 90 K a year. Jesus. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to recommend actual developers to this. Cause this is like better than, you know, studios <laughs> pay. yeah, that is mind boggling. Um, yeah. Just for the greatest pivot in podcasting history. Um, Cyril, you've been playing modern warfare too. <laughs> That's right. (laughs) Well, it was popular when I was 16 to 22. Oh, okay. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Do you have a high level takeaway from going back to that campaign? Uh, That game is certainly dated, but I still really like it. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably still my favorite, uh, like, like a Call of Duty campaign overall. Um, It had, like I said, it is dated in that it is very much the thing that people kind of associated with call of duty for a while which was you're just kind of running down a hallway the guys spawn infinitely until you kill everyone and move forward um but i think that it does such a good job of like creating just like set piece after set piece and it just feels like it is it is catching in on what like the video game stuff could do of just like creating these like ridiculous moments and it's like a very much a tom clancy you know like plot where it's like oh we've turned out like just the the absurd ridiculousness of like here's a homegrown invasion of russians that happen to just like figure out how to knock out like the united states's radar and just have like deliver a bunch of troops based on you know the um the the, the no russian moment um like and just create like this war at home thing i think that is that is ridiculous, but it's also really fun because you get to defend like the equivalent of a, of like a Taco John's or like a Taco Bell from the Russians, which is like a super <laughs> cool moment. And then it just goes from there where it's just like at some point there's just like this ridiculous moment where everyone's trying to get like a, on board this submarine with a nuke on it. And the idea of being the, the entire mission that you're trying to stop them from getting in and Captain Price gets in there and at the end uh, the, the nuke starts launching and Everyone's like, hey, our price, aren't you on this thing? This thing is launching. And he's like, good, or whatever. And it's, it's just like this weird thing. It's like, you know, I don't want to spoil the plot, but it's it's a good thing that that nuke goes off. Um, but, uh, and, and like, I think it does a really good job more than most of like ma- letting you understand what is at stake in that thing and also creating this ridiculous thing. Like there's a thing that's basically ripped out of the rock, but you do it in reverse where you you actually win that sequence. 
uh which sequence the, the main character is losing like the in, in the like the prison bathrooms basically right uh, that whole scene and there's like stuff with riot shields that is really cool hang on um, stop, yeah. stop, 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 stop stop is that then the origins of the gulag from Warzone, like is that section of that Maybe. map pulled from modern warfare 2 i i don't think like the structure of it is familiar to me but may like maybe that's where they got the idea since it is like a modern warfare right 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 well, that, uh, that's but, complicated yeah but yeah i, I don't know that it, it like it's as interesting as some of the stuff like an in infinite warfare might be still like the most structurally interesting campaign um but in terms of like you here's the thing where you are going to go on a thrill ride for the next six hours i think this is the best campaign in that series yeah uh i am a little it's disappointed in no russian at all or is it just totally wholesale uh or at the beginning when you start a campaign it tells you like hey this level's in it do you want to play it oh and interesting. that was in the original just, release that that was uh, that's not it, it happened at the time like when, when you got to this moment there's like hey there's going to be a scene with explicit glass oh, do you want to skip it now so it tells you that. at the beginning yeah where it's like hey there's going to be there's going to be a thing you 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 might want to skip um and, <laughs> and i think that moment is like crucial in setting up the what actually happens in the rest of the game but yeah it's like not uh, um i don't know I, like that whole thing is so mired in controversy at this point but i i guess i never saw it as particularly like egregious or shocking at the time it definitely felt like they were playing it up because of the situation but sure. um yeah I, I definitely feels like a little bit of the controversy it, like its reputation is larger than the thing itself mm, yeah gotcha. um, there, there's a moment like specifically where you stab a guy in the throat and he you see his eyes roll into the back of his head that feel, to me was like more like oh god like <laughs> this is like this is pretty messed up uh that affected me a little bit more but um i am a little like disappointed in the remaster in that it it does HDR stuff, but it doesn't have the spec op stuff from the original. Oh, which yeah. Which I think would have been pretty cool to have, but it just seems like here's literally just the campaign with a couple bonuses. Um, but they probably don't want to step on Warzone or anything at this point, so they strip well, out of the multiplayer. It's interesting. Well, because spec ops was literally just like, I think you could play with one other player, and it was just yeah. a set number of like challenges uh, that were like they it had online play, but I'm guessing they just didn't want to have any sort of online infrastructure set up for this yeah um, yeah but yeah uh pretty cool campaign i, I don't know that if i think it's what 20, if it's 20 bucks it I is think 20 it's, bucks it's, which seems like a pretty yeah. good price for that thing overall price indeed so, uh hey hey kyle just to keep uh jumping from lily pad to lily pad did you see the kotaku story today from jason schreier about like the changing culture of uh rockstar at rockstar yeah i, I haven't read it okay. um i I grabbed it and like put it aside to read later, but I haven't read the full article yet. No. Okay, uh, it's it's interesting. Like the overall piece is just talking about, hey, in the last two years, there's been so many changes at Rockstar, and it seems like developers are saying things seem to be looking more positive. We um, the good. messaging, at least from the company, has been a little more accepting of, hey, we're gonna say crunch is optional now. You know, a lot of just kind of softening overall, but it's. Like, I was reading it, and I was like, well, it's tough because, like, they're not shipping a game. And even the article closes by saying, like, we'll see how it lasts. Maybe when we're trying to ship the next game, it'll uh, really take off again, which seems likely uh, to some extent. But the interesting nugget in there, other than yeah, it's a good piece overall, but uh, they confirm, Jason Shire confirms in there that the next game they are working on is GTA, mm. which mm. we all could have guessed. number it or just says they're working on GTA? Working on another GTA. But it was interesting. Who knows what possible entry it could be? Could <laughs> They could just skip to seven. They could, hey, they could GTA, go back to one. GTA London 2. It could be colon name of city. You yeah, know. they've done it before. But, uh, but no, and then they also say in there that like they're talking about different strategies of releasing it maybe in a less intensive way for developers where it's going to be uh, 
uh, a medium-sized chunk of a game that they then add on to later. Mm. You know, just trying to get something reasonable out the door instead of killing everybody to create something like Red Dead 2 and then bam. Yeah, and they've been really good about saying they're going to add single-player content to games and then following through on All that. All right, really good about that. All right, buddy, but fun to have some I like the DLC of Grand Theft Auto uh, 4. I was always bummed that they basically went in an online direction. Although, honestly, yeah. I think one of my concerns with GTA games has always been that they, that they kind of go on for a little long. Uh, so yeah, they could stand to be shorter. eventually start yeah. following all these disparate threads that don't feel like they tie into the main story. So I could, I would totally be okay with a GTA that was maybe like, you know, half the length of a regular oh, yeah. one and just had, and, and yeah. just like every moment was ridiculously good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So if they yeah. would just want to release that and say like, we need another platform to add more DLC and microtransactions. Uh, and it, it'll just be smaller and shorter this time around. Like, sure. I, I, I would be cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see it like I think it'd be really interesting to see more um, like big AAA releases like that with like more condensed gameplay, like main like main storyline gameplay and then just offer it as DLC, like see what people are interested in and like people will, you know, go and continue to have those experiences that they want to have. Like if you want to put in 100 hours, that's fantastic. Um, But if you want to put in 40, like that's also sounds great. More (laughs) of a la carte gaming overall. Yeah, for AAA stuff. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Serial, you mentioned a game called Bright Memory? Yeah. What is uh, this? Well, real quick, one more thing I wanted to say about the sure. stuff is that I'm wondering how um, the work-at-home stuff that a lot of developers have been doing will affect when people come back to work what they might think about, like, hey, we should re-examine our work culture. Now that we know that, that working from home is a more viable solution, I'm curious just to see how many developers kind of go back to the like table a little bit and saying, like, okay, now, now that we're back, maybe we should change a couple of things. Yeah, but I feel like working from home, it'll be interesting to see how it impacts and COVID impacts like crunch culture in game dev because, you know, it's like great because it's convenient in so many ways. But then also there's like the whole erasure between work and home. And I almost feel like crunch could almost be like more likely in like some regards as well. Yeah, Yeah. there's a danger there for sure. I would love, I mean, who knows if it'll ever happen, but I would love for five years from now to read a book just about how different game studios tackled this period of history, you know, and like Mm -hmm. what it taught them about the true nature of how they develop games and what they Mm -hmm. can trim and and rearrange in the future. But it's going to be wild. Like, honestly, you know, it's, it's, we're not a game developer, but I was just thinking about with the MinMax show, I was like, you know what? Having like Anna clap in just from home (laughs) was so handy. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) not that we would like, it, it makes me second guess just the value of having everybody in the same room. You know, even like MinTracks, the music podcast, uh, they recorded that remotely and it's like listening to it, it all sounds pretty good. You can't really tell. And so, Kyle, is it worth it to make you drive 40 minutes to record the podcast over here? It's I, I, I like recording from home, Hanson. It's been handy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so you've been thinking about this too. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough. It's been you know? nice. Yeah, I hear you. So, well, there's a lot of things to rearrange just with MinMax, and we're like the smallest thing in the world. So, I can't imagine somebody like Rockstar and trying to wrap mm-hmm. your brain around how the hell that works. But, yeah. Anyways. But, yeah, anyway, uh, uh, Bright Memory is this uh, shooter that's in early access, uh, which is weird to say because it's like a single, it's a single player game. Um, it's only really like half an hour long. At this point, it's more of a demo that you buy, but with the expectation that if you buy it now, it was ten, it was ten bucks, and they said, "Hey, when you when the full game comes out, which I think is called uh, Bright Memory Infinite Infinity or something like that, that you will get that basically for free." 
Um, but it's this interesting shooter where you have like your regular array of guns. I think it's only like really two guns right now, but you also have all these Devil May Cry-esque abilities. So one of them is just um, you, you like take out a sword and fire a bunch of like, you know, sword attacks that are like these little like shockwaves or whatever. Um, you have one that basically pops all the enemies into the air and uh, you have like a, a whip that you can use to draw like smaller enemies to you and you draw yourself to larger enemies in order to like do combos on them and there's like this combo meter at the top uh so you you get to move around the battlefield a lot it's kind of rough around the edges because i think it's uh a one-person project i think i i might be wrong about that but it's definitely one of those i heard that too yeah and i was like how (laughs) even though it's only 30 minutes yeah it's kind of like when you look at it from that sense in that sense i think it is kind of impressive uh, but if you were expecting like hey this is like a, a whole like triple a game that you can play for ten dollars like it's not that but um yeah i'll be curious to see how that game evolves because it's like what i played of it seemed pretty fun like all the all the story stuff and some of the cutscenes are like were pretty cheesy you know it, it's the local localization is maybe a little rough because it is from a Chinese developer, and I think Playism is handling a lot of that stuff. But it, it's very clear that this does not have a ton of resources behind it right now. Um, Still looks but, very good. I just Googled it real yeah. quick, and it's like, what the hell? There's no way one person did this, right? That's impossible. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing yeah. he added like some help, some like support help from okay, you know, Playism. Yeah. But it, it definitely feels like, hey, here's a really good idea that somebody came up with. And in that demo, it seems like they executed on it like surprisingly well. How so. did both of you hear about it? Were people raving about it online or? Um, I just like saw screenshots of crazy enemies, like this amphibious lion tiger type mm-hmm. thing. Like it just seemed kind of off the rails, which is like kind of my brand <laughs> so i was like yeah. wait what is this yeah some of that stuff is really crazy um you fight a boss like the the boss at the end basically comes back to life which is and i think kind of different when you when you fight him the second time so there's also literally uh which before i forget like right bef- right i think right after you beat the boss or right before there's literally a bonfire from dark souls uh <laughs> that's literally like a fireplace with a sword through it and when you activate it it just says bonfire lit in the same exact font <laughs> as dark souls. <laughs> I don't think it does anything is the thing. <laughs> I think it's just a fun thing he threw in there, okay, uh, which, is, sure. which, is, which is cool. And then it ends uh, and it says like, hey, thanks for playing. And then you get to keep playing and there's another hallway. Uh, and then it just like rolls credits and it, which is like a weird, weird a weird structure. But uh, yeah, I'll be curious. Like when it comes, I have the game, right? So um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how this game evolves over the course of time because it's like a very interesting project. Yeah, bright memory on Steam. Um, hey Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? Is it a Patreon? It is a Patreon. That is what MinMax is all about. MinMax, wait, no, patreon.com slash MinMax. Although you can probably go to minmax.com slash Patreon. I think it also will take you to information about the Patreon. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, our community has been fantastic. We have a lot of new folks joining us for the deepest dive on Final Fantasy VII's remake, which is very exciting. And I hope they enjoyed that show that's on our YouTube channel. Um, and then also if you support us at the $5 tier, you get access to the podcast version, but... I don't know if you saw this, but uh, we hit our goal, and we're going to be creating a regular interview show. Yeah, that's exciting, man. Yeah. Good though. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, so we're going to be interviewing game developers, filmmakers, uh, maybe some musicians. Like, I'm excited to have an interview show that's a little more broad than just the interviews we did on the Game Informer show every Comedians? once in a while. What's that? Comedians? 
Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a good place to interview some smart people. So we're going to be shaping that show probably with the community. I'll probably talk to the high council and the MinFax uh, on Monday <laughs> and try and figure out exactly the best way to shape that. But thank you again for your support uh, from people like Brandon Sylvia here. Uh, who started a YouTube channel called Easygoing Gaming. He says, Easygoing Gaming is extremely excited to be one of MinMax's monthly Patreon supporters. Uh, I chose to advertise on this channel because it's a channel I watch and enjoy regularly. Therefore, I felt this was the most organic form of advertising I could do for my channel. Easygoing Gaming is a YouTube channel dedicated to covering all things related to the world of video games. With videos ranging from news and reviews to lists and predictions, I hope to provide a little bit of something for everyone. I've been a lifelong gamer and I'm excited to share that love and passion with a community as passionate as yours. So please search Easygoing Gaming Channel and you'll find it. Check it out, please. Um, and as Jeff likes to say, uh, it's free. You know, you would brighten <laughs> Brandon's day if you just went and checked out his YouTube channel and left a nice comment. And we'd appreciate it. He'd appreciate it. Um, I think it's awesome for him to start something new during this time. And now he's creating videos where... He created a whole video just like thanking the MinMax community, which is very sweet. He created a video with his impressions of the Final Fantasy VII remake, uh, his reaction to a trailer called Little Hope, which is a, a new game or something. I'm not sure. Uh, it's, the, it's the Dark Pictures anthology next episode. Yeah, oh, next. there it is. Okay, so he's doing a lot of good stuff over there, so please go check out and support Brandon Sylvia's channel called Easygoing Gaming. Also, thank you to I'm 8-Bit. Um, I'm 8-Bit, I was thinking about this. Like, They're the biggest company to have faith in MinMax and support us. And I think it's so incredible that they chose to support us in the basement and that they're shipping out things to uh, our community for leaving great questions here. Um, and so please help support them by checking out their store. And if you buy something from the store, you can get 10% off by entering the promo code MINMAX. Uh, and they wanted to point out that they're selling the vinyl soundtrack to Watam, the latest game from the creator of Katamari Damacy. And just look at the art for the vinyl. It is amazing because they have like a fold-up bowler hat. So if you've ever wanted a, just an adorable vinyl soundtrack that actually is wearing a hat, you need the Watam vinyl soundtrack. It's fantastic. So please check that out and send some nice words their way. Okay, a lot of people have suggested a lot of great things here. Uh, Mexi Flores says, Have you all ever bought a game due to peer pressure? I think the last game I bought under these conditions was Battlefield 1. I was going to be playing with my friends online, but it ended up just collecting dusk. Dust, ha ha ha, at least I got the Steelcase version, which looks pretty cool. Peer <laughs> pressure purchases is a real conundrum in the game industry. Yeah, uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons for me. <laughs> <laughs> and your peers are just the entire internet? Yeah, and, and my wife and child. But I mean, mostly oh, sure. like I was, it was infectious, like seeing everyone so excited about it. And I was like, you know what? This might be the one. Maybe this is the Animal Crossing that yeah. pulls me in. <laughs> I peer pressure two people into buying Animal Crossing. So. <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, and Kyle on wasn't? a related note, I have a copy of Animal Crossing I'm looking to sell <laughs> no! if you're interested in buying it. Do you really so you not like it? You've done everything there is to do. Uh, I got, let's, where am I at? I, I gave one of the kids a bunch of iron to build a new shop. Like yeah. that was the last thing That's I did. That's last boss, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I really, that game's great. I love, I, I, I enjoy like watching... It. No, I'm a, I'm enjoying watching people like share their creations. Yeah, but like I just don't. Re it's not satisfying for me to like build my house. Like I I don't really want to do that stuff. And that's like seems to be the most rewarding element of that game. So and it's not going to click for me. And that's okay. Have you tried? I'm okay with have that. Have you tried fishing? 
I, yeah, I kept getting eggs, and I was like, what the hell? I don't... No, yeah, have, you, right. have you tried fishing since the eggs have gone away? No, I, I, I chose only to fish uh, in the beginning of April and smart. end of May. That's yeah. the right way to do smart, it. Smart, right? smart, I uh, honest, Honestly, I'm not, like, I'm not done with it. Like, I, I'm still enjoying playing it with my family and stuff, but it's it, it, it has been that moment that I kind of go through with every Animal Crossing where I'm like, oh, yeah, this isn't for me. This just isn't my kind of game. Well, that's yeah. a shame. The, the peer pressure it's, thing, I think of, like, I think I'm normally on the other side where I'm trying to convince my friends to buy games. I'm sure Ronnie yeah. or Grant can write in to let me know how I've screwed them in the past by begging <laughs> them to buy some Battlefield or something, just like Mexi Flores here. But. Yeah, uh, I think my big one is Halo 3 because uh, I was not like a big Halo person. I didn't really have... I, I, I never had an original Xbox except for the one time my friend let me borrow it to play through Ninja Gaiden. Uh, uh, but I remember when... And watch David Lynch that. movies, right? That was That's the... right, yeah, dude. <laughs> dude. Uh, David Lynch was my favorite Xbox exclusive. For sure. uh, uh, but like when Halo 3 was coming out, you know, I wasn't like a big Halo person. I was like, ah, I had like people just like Halo because it, it was like the only game to play on Xbox. And then like everyone. And it was also really group, good. <laughs> like whatever. Uh, I, like I couldn't play it, so I didn't like it, you know, because I was a kid in middle school. And then uh, when Halo 3 came out, everyone was playing it. And I was like, oh, like reviews came out. Uh, I remember GameSpot gave it a, like a 9.5. Yeah. Uh, and everyone was like really excited about it. I was like, okay, I guess I'll try Halo. And I played that game uh, religiously for like months because it was awesome. Uh, so that's probably still like my favorite Halo experience period, even though I think Reach, Reach might overall be a better game. But uh, Halo 3 felt like the last huge like moment where it's like me and my, all my friends, this is all we, all we do. We had like on Halloween, we called it Halloween, and we all just went to this <laughs> one friend's house and just played Halo until like the entire weekend, and just got really like grossly overfed on pizza. It was it was great. That sounds fantastic. Uh, Anna, peer pressure. Um, I was peer pressured into buying Baba's You. Uh, oh no, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> and like. It's like I, I gave it my very best um, go, but like it just wasn't sticking, especially because like I come home tired from work and like the last thing I want to do is like think really hard while playing a game. Sorry. Um, but like I eventually then like started playing it in groups, whereas like once I was like in a room with people and five people were trying to figure out mm. the puzzle, it was a lot better. Um, but perfect. Yeah. See, Kyle, that's all it takes. <laughs> it's just getting uh, four other people to help you beat the game. Yeah, just combine all the minds. You can tackle it. Somebody actually tweeted me a link to... Somebody made, like, subtle hints for every level in Baba is You, just so I could Ooh. maybe finally finish it, which seems like an awesome way to go about that. Just, like, not telling you yeah, exactly what to like do, that. just to That's nudge cool. you in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Sweet has an easy one. He says, Hey, Min Maxers, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and absolutely loving it, but I'm already thinking about what game I should play next. My options are as follows. Final Fantasy XV, because I like... 7's combat, the original Final Fantasy 7, because I want to continue the story, or one of the Yakuza games, because I love the darts minigame in Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Ooh. Yakuza is interesting. That's not something we got into in our discussion. Yeah. But, like, that that chapter 2 of Final Fantasy 7 Remake is very reminiscent of Yakuza. Like, my Ooh. point of reference yeah. was the Fist of the North Star game. Yeah. Like, it really reminded me of it a lot, and I tweeted about it, and a lot of people made a lot of, like, good points. They were like, yeah, this kind of felt like Yakuza. There's even, like, the, the there's that sequence where Tifa's, like, mixing drinks, which is, like, right. there's, like, a sequence like that in Fist of the North Star. So I think Yakuza is an interesting option there. I sure. mean, I, without spoiling anything, there is a part later on there is uh, way more Yakuza. 
Okay. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to hear yeah, a word. I'm not, not going to say anything else, but okay. yeah. Another, uh, is really cool. Yeah. Another side note, like why are so, I feel like darts are coming back in video games in a very big way because <laughs> darts were also added to Persona 5 Royal oh, and they're in the wow. Final Fantasy remake and people, I don't know why, like on my Twitter, it's like everyone's talking about darts. It's, it's the new fishing mini game is darts. Oh, yeah. And you don't get eggs when you throw darts. So it's, but, yeah. Which is the best darts mini game? Uh, well, Persona is, is like motion good. controlled, right? Okay. Which is a little, eh, uh, I don't know about yeah. that. But. I like yeah. the mechanic for the 7 remake. I love the weird alternating like <laughs> circle and then trying to wrangle that thing. I think it's it, it perfectly encapsulates darts. It is perfect, just like everything else in the Final Fantasy 7 remake. <laughs> uh, Nick Ludeman says, Are there any songs in video games that are special to you or evoke emotion? I can't get past the first... Do you guys ever think about the fact... This isn't Nick's question, but evoke emotion sounds like locomotion. You ever thought about that? I don't think I've ever thought about that. No. no let's no. all just take a minute. Anyway, so I can't get past the first three notes of Eris theme before my eyes start to water. Star Stealing Girl from Chrono Cross has, has a similar effect. I get chills and experience a great sense of nostalgia. However, what's weird is that I don't relate any specific scenes or moments to these songs. Maybe it's a subconscious thing. So songs that make you emotional from games. What, what jumps out? I mean, Shout of the Colossus for me. Ooh. Once that theme kicks in, even outside of Shout of the Colossus, it's just like... It just gets me so excited and like pumped. I think Tim Turry once suggested that that being making that your workout soundtrack. Oh, like, that's really smart of just like, you know, having that emotion of climbing the Colossus like while you're trying to like run. Like, yeah, very smart. I just want to get on a horse hearing that music. <laughs> Is that a workout? So that's, a, that's, on it. that's a decent workout, I guess. Maybe I not now, not yeah. in quarantine, but maybe if you bought like, are there horse shaped treadmills that you just get on a horse and you just ride one? Already have okay, what's this treadmill? horse treadmill that you're imagining? <laughs> I, look, I don't know. I've it's been a giant mechanical, I can't. It's a giant mechanical horse that it yeah. sits upon a giant mechanical. <laughs> treadmill that would fit a horse yes. and you just ride on top of the horse and you just and you're riding <laughs> yeah, it's in the intro of westworld <laughs> so i think my, mine would probably be uh toriel's theme from undertale because mm. uh, it's a theme that i think very like to me whenever i think of that i just it, it encapsulates like kind of the feelings that you're having in that battle pretty well mm -hmm. or trying to be this motherly i'm going to protect you from the outside world uh emotion and the tragedy of like i need to do this i need to venture out outside of the bounds of you know where you're keeping me and it, it's like a very sad theme with kind of like this this battle going on um and i know that there are there are better songs on that soundtrack but to me that's the one that most vividly evokes the moment that it's associated with hmm. yeah Good one. for me it's always been the rito village theme from wind waker oh. um I think it's because, like, the age I was at. And also, it's just, like, such an emotionally moving piece. Like, when I encountered it in Breath of the Wild for the first time, I was, like, tearing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Joe Halaska says, all right, guys, I did it. Six months later, I finally beat Ring Fit Adventure. And my weigh-in wow. showed that I gained four pounds. Okay, <laughs> no, so no, it wasn't the most oh, no. effective weight loss tool, but it was definitely fun. What other ways do you think companies can gamify fitness, especially now that we have to stay indoors? Okay, so you, so you get a you get a giant treadmill. Yeah. You, you get yeah. a giant. You build a giant mechanical horse. <laughs> you put the two together, uh -huh. and you just you put yourself on it, and you just is, gamify riding a horse. Is horse riding is that exercise? Like I've never. 
I have um, never ridden a horse. I, I rode a horse a fair amount in the last year when I went to like Zion <laughs> and stuff. Not like throughout the year, but there was one day where I was on a horse for a while. And it, it does kind of work out your abs. I think it's a lot of bouncing and your butt gets sore. So if a part of your body is sore, I think that means that you're working out, right? Is that the way that works? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, but yes, Joe, that's a good question. Um, how can more companies kind of capitalize on where we're at right now even and trying to gamify fitness? Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say like the Pokemon Go idea of just like walking and having that be basically a stat that you're building. You know, I feel like that hasn't really been taken advantage of really well, even though it's feels like it's right in front of us. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But what about during the quarantine? Pokemon Go is struggling. Yeah. They're changing the rules for it, right? Yeah, they're letting you yeah. do everything from one Pokemon, location. Pokemon, no. <laughs> Wait, what are they doing now? How does it work? You can do, like, raids without going anywhere, and there's, like, more items and more Pokemon in single locations and stuff like that. Oh, so wow. they're, they're, they're releasing updates that are making it playable from a solitary location. So but... a regular Pokemon game? <laughs> that sounds great. It's, I it's love a, it. It's a pretty incredible <laughs> idea. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to know, like, what companies can do, like, during this period to try and capitalize on it. Like, I don't know, release some... Cutesy I mean, you can also app. just say VR in like a broad sense, you know, Ooh. like I, I, I tucker myself out playing Beat Saber on higher difficulties and stuff and pistol whip, you know, you know, yeah. but, uh, you know what they need to do. I just had this. Epiphany. You remember like a while ago, I think like PlayStation released instead of like a Yule log two hour video or something, they released like, hey, here's a burning car from The Last of Us Part Two you can <laughs> have in the background. They need to do that. But with like crudely mo capped video game characters. So it's like, hey, here's an hour-long yoga video or half an hour yoga video you can do every day, but it's just like Kratos, like, come on. <laughs> Play Shia LaBeouf, just do it. I guess so, you know, but like, I don't yeah. know, my girlfriend does like, you know, a yoga video every day on YouTube and it, it's fun and it, it seems great. But it's like they could capitalize on that by having just like <laughs> so John St. John. Video, it's like, not for me. But well, what if it was Cloud? Honestly, yeah, if it was Cloud <laughs> doing the squats, like, all right, join with us now. I would be so on board for that. So it's Cloud, but then Shadow of Colossus theme is oh playing. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my. And you'll we just be made a million dollars. <laughs> and we release it in Roblox, and then we're all gazillionaires. Yeah, and then you're... you're a- Exercise manager is the Tom Nook phone. And you oh, get Nick Smiles for every setup you complete. Oh, honestly? They, uh, Ooh. This kind of on that track. Did you see Double Fine released a bunch of like Zoom backgrounds that you could use? <laughs> no. Like, animated GIFs from their games. That's amazing. Like, that. like it's just like wind blowing through the uh, the camp for Psychonauts 2 and stuff like that. And you could just like throw it up behind you while you're on your meetings. It's like, that's so smart, you guys. That is super smart. <laughs> oh, they're the best. Um, Jeremy Clark says... Hey, Ben Han and the podcast clan. You got it. Here's a quick story for you. Uh, (laughs) When I was a kid, my dad bought us a PlayStation 1, but we had limited use of it because my parents thought I was addicted to it, rightfully so. One night, I was supposed to be in bed, but my dad was playing it in their bedroom, and I snuck out of bed to have a peek. This story isn't going in a dark place of rooms. I sat in the hallway outside their room and watched them play, but I ended up falling asleep right there on the floor. I woke up the next day in my bed. Later that day, my mom asked what I was doing in the hallway, and I lied to her and told her I was getting a glass of water and fell asleep on the way. (laughs) She knew better. So my question is, can you tell us about a time your love and obsession with games got you in trouble? What a weird question. Well, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty common story of just, like, playing too much and just, like, getting yelled at and then, like, 
me trying to explain to my mom like why if you let me play for five more minutes in Majora's Mask, I can save and make a lot more progress that I won't have to repeat later and then just be like, no, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Just turn this thing off. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you're done. You're done. You know, oh, that is that's the documentary I want to make, Kyle, is the history of trying to explain save points to parents <laughs> so you can keep playing for just a minute. Yeah. And like which parents understand it, which ones don't. I remember, I think I've maybe told this story before, but I have a memory of playing Age of Empires 1 on her computer, and my sister needed to do homework. Uh, and so she needed to jump on the only computer at the time. And I was playing Age of Empires 1, my dad's like, you need to get off that computer. I'm like, I'm playing a match with Ronnie. Like, I need to keep playing this thing. And he's like, I am going to rip you off that computer. And I remember saying, I'd like to see you try. It was like my first oh, like big <laughs> moment of defiance with my dad when I was like 12 or 13. Like, all right, I think I could take you old timer. Like, I need <laughs> to finish this game and my sister's homework be damned. Uh, and that didn't go well. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so James Smith says, hey, junk dealer and other assorted Final Fantasy VII NPCs. That's a deep cut uh, from yesterday. Uh, Is Spider-Man a first party game? Insomniac wasn't owned by Sony when it was released, so you could say it's technically not, but they were purchased very shortly after, and the game was heavily marketed as part of PlayStation's exclusive catalog, so I think you could lean either way. Isn't this a good thinker? I think it's published by Sony, though, isn't it? Yeah, but so it'd be second party, but can it be first party if it's a licensed game from Marvel? I don't think so. I mean, do do we consider Sunset Overdrive a first party game? Or is that no, a third that was, party that was, exclusive? That was second party. Or is it is third party exclusive the term? I think that just means second party. But no one says second party. You just made that up. What? People totally say second party. What are you talking about? I've never heard that. I've always Do they? Third party I, exclusive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like Intelli- I think Intelligent Systems for a while was like a second party studio for Nintendo, right? Yeah, I, I that's always, like that's like a quad A kind of thing that like someone would no. thought they were very clever and people that just does in the not comments let me know I'm not nuts. Second party is a thing. I think it means third party exclusive. Okay. I, I, I honestly like I not giving you crap. I've never heard that term used huh. as second party. Weird. Yeah. All right, maybe not. Um so uh is Spider Man now a first party game for Sony? Not retroactively, no. Okay, there it is. Uh Tim Laro says, Here's a game for y'all. Uh, the rules are guespionage rules, so you have to guess higher, lower, or much higher or lower than the given percent. Let's just make it easier and say higher or lower. Um, Gespionage is a Jackbox game. Uh, the data is from the 2019 Essential Facts data from the ESA. Serial. So you're get, you just have to let me know higher or lower. Uh, the percentage of American adults that play video games. And the, and the number is 60%. Do you think it's higher or lower? American adults. Are we counting mobile players? That's a good question. Probably. Okay. Uh, higher. Correct. Apparently it's 65% according to the ESA. Kyle, percentage of gamers that believe games provide relaxation and stress relief. And the number is 90%. Higher or lower? Uh, higher. Higher than 90% for stress relief? I just think it's a really high number. Uh, it is lower. It is 78%. Uh, okay. a percentage of parents that pay attention to their to the games their children play. 74%. Higher or lower? Lower. Higher. They say <laughs> really? 90%. But this is also the ESA, wow. so I'm sure they're very proud of that number and really want it in there. Uh, all right, Serial. Percentage of gamers that will vote in the next presidential election. 40%. 
Mm, lower. Higher. 59%. Oh, Thank God. Not too shabby. Way to go. Uh, Kyle, last one. Percentage of gamers that have made a microtransaction in the last year. 56%. Ooh. Percentage of gamers that have made a microtransaction in the last year. I'm going to optimistically say lower. Lower. 49%. Nice. Way to go, people. All right. Uh, flip the USB twice says big hello from Canada. Big hello! My question is this. Uh, at what point is the excuse of it's still in beta no longer valid? Nowadays, games are being sold still in their alpha slash beta stages thanks to early access. And some of these games even have DLC packs like ARK and skins and such. And with the re recent release of the Valorant beta that still, still sells in-game skins, I fail to see the difference between a game that's gone gold versus a game that's still in beta when they have cost money to play and both sell in-game items. Uh, I guess it depends on the issue. Like if if the idea is that the game is imbalanced, then I think that has a lot more leeway than like, hey, the microtransaction model is really exploitative. I don't think they you get away with that at any point, you know, because um, even if you ha if even if you're figuring that stuff out, um, if you're overcharging for stuff that shouldn't be that shouldn't cost as much, I don't think there's an excuse for that. But, you know, if it's like a thing where it's, say hey, things are choppy or whatever, and you're not really paying for, for that kind of it, like, if the idea is that you're, hey, like, this stuff is broken, right? Uh, then at that point, you know, whatever. But uh, if, if it's a thing where you paid money for something and it doesn't work, or there's, you know, there's the incentive of like, well, like, why buy this now when it seems like the model is pretty much tilted in my life? That you are very clearly going to change this model, and it's going to get a lot better, so I shouldn't buy anything right now. Uh, that's totally like on the devs at that point. Yeah, it is weird move when games have been in beta for so long that leaving beta is a marketing ploy to up their numbers again. I think because mm -hmm. it's like at a certain point, what's the point of leaving beta? It's like, well, just to have that marketing splash of, hey, this is actually Fortnite 1.0 at this point. Please come on by, you know? It's, it's a bizarre world, but I was just thinking it'd be a fun game if somebody wants to make this for next week on the Midmax show. Um, a game of is this game technically in beta still? And then we have to. Hey, guess. why don't you text uh, Jeffum and see if he wants to do that in Board Game Simulator? Uh, hey, I didn't yell at him to do that, <laughs> Kyle. I just said if you wanted to, because he likes board game design. I thought this would be fun. You're, you're right. All right. Uh, Jackson Arnold says hello. I recently just found my old PS3 in my closet, and I've been playing through my favorite series of all time, Ratchet and Clank. One thing I really love is the Insomniac Museum. For those who aren't aware, the Insomniac Museum was a secret bonus level in most of the games that featured tons of cut content and special things to mess around with. For example, designing your own hacking puzzles, driving vehicles that were never implemented, and cool tech that just couldn't fit into the game for whatever reason. All with developer, uh, all with developer commentary on the PlayStation 2! My question is, is there anything like this in other games? It's such a staple of the Ratchet series, and I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I can't think of other examples of games that show off cut content like this. I'm I'm learning about this. That sounds awesome. I didn't yeah. know that existed. I didn't know it existed yeah. either. I mean, there's like the obvious, if you like this, you probably will like Beginner's Guide, which is a game about this concept of basically cut content. Uh, yeah. which I mean, is, but Stanley Parable also has like that museum, similarly, yeah, that you can find. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So those two games are good. But I mean, commentary we've talked about before, video game com commentary we've talked about before on the on the podcast, and Valve is kind of the, the king of that show. Um, but in terms of showing off cut content, I can't think of anything in-game. Uh, God of War, those games usually have 
like unlockables that are like this, like maybe a video or behind the scenes thing that will show yeah. stuff that didn't make it into the final game. Like that blew my mind playing the original God of War for the first time. Like listening to Jaffe just talk about all the things that didn't make the final cut, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty rare. For sure. But let us know uh, suggestions in the chat, please, uh, or submit it next week for the podcast. I'd love to know. Uh, Sincerely, Eric says, what is the franchise slash IP you would like to see bring back kart racers? Personally, Borderlands may not be the worst idea, in my opinion, he says. What do y'all think? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess I have no reverence for, like, the character aspect of Borderlands. So, like, a kart racer, you get, like, what? Like, the four classes in Borderlands 1, maybe a couple of classes from Borderlands 2 and yeah. Handsome Jack. That's I think it roster. makes sense. Uh, maybe, like, the scooter, the catch-a-ride guy. I think that's maybe... Well, I think he's the guy that... Goes like three, two, one, go! You know he's oh, got to be, yeah, yeah that's true. on the sidelines. I this isn't quite the answer to the question, but Hanson, I think you'll uh, be on my side with this. But <laughs> okay. there was an expansion that you could buy for Disney Infinity. That was like, oh yeah, a, like yeah. it basically turned the game into a kart racer with like every Disney Infinity uh, character as like a playable option. And it's developed by Sumo, who did like the yeah. uh, the Sonic transformed racing games that everybody loves like they spent so much mon- money on that and it was just kind of buried in that disney infinity physical toy miasma yeah. it should just be a physical game like they can cut the roster down they don't have to have all like what was it probably like 70 playable people just like cut that to like 25 and just release it as a boxed game yes. like it would sell more than disney infinity <laughs> honestly <laughs> like, it would and oh that's such a brilliant idea kyle like you remaster just that section for the new consoles. Yeah. Honestly, don't it's have, right don't there. Don't call it Infinity. Just call it Disney Racers or something, you know? Yeah, and then maybe in the fine print on the back, say, first appeared technically in this game that you didn't <laughs> don't play. Don't think about it too much. Yeah, even but it's you... like, it's this whole, there is a Disney Marvel Pixar kart racer yeah. that exists that was made by a quality racing team yes. that like just totally got like covered by I love Disney that idea. And I remember uh, yeah. talking to... Uh, JV, Johnny Vignacchi, uh on that cover short trip, I think it was on the Game Informer Show podcast and when he called in, just about the idea of like uh, what are you guys doing? Like, I understand you <laughs> want to point people towards Disney Infinity and it's cool, but at the same time like, the amount of money you would make releasing this on a Walmart shelf as the Disney kart racing game versus yeah. buried behind mm-hmm. get this chip and then put it on this when you run to the certain area in the game then you unlock this, it's just night and day. Yeah. Uh, and he said, but- you're right. You're a genius. Uh, you know game design so much better than all developers. And I really <laughs> felt incredible. Thank you, JV. And then he was like, I'm going to go work for Nintendo now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, David Blessman says, do you all press a button for pause or click the pause icon? Also, did you know that on YouTube you can press the letter K to pause? I did not know that. No. But we'll we'll take a beat and let everybody try it. So everybody flail wildly and then people can hit K on their keyboard Okay, Anna's phoning it in here. Yeah, <laughs> Anna, uh, you can't half-ass flailing. That is like sixty percent of the min-max shot. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Oh my god, incredible! Uh, thank you, David Blessman. Uh, David Blessman also asked: Should Intelligent Systems make an Advance Wars for Switch serial, or should they make a sequel to Fire Emblem Three Houses? Well, they're gonna make a sequel to Fire Emblem Three Houses, and they should because it's gonna make a bunch of money. But... You're not. No, this is for you. Uh, for me, uh, I don't know. Like, I think after Wargroove, uh, like, well, because part of it feels like if they did make another Advance Wars, they would try to Fire Emblem it up 
And like part of my like I, I like Fire Emblem, but I like it as a very different thing than like the thing that Fire Emblem was even just a few years ago. Um, so if they try to do that, then I don't know that I would be into it as much because at that point they may as well just make up another Fire Emblem game. But if they want to do another traditional Advance Wars, like that, that'd be super cool. I just don't know that that would be the thing that they end up doing. But at yeah. this point, considering how much Wargroup like kind of actually improves on some of the stuff in Advance Wars, I'd rather them just say give have Nintendo give them the Advance Wars license and see what they can do. With the rumors of them making a new Paper Mario releasing this year and stuff. I just, I hope we get some more insight into how Intelligent Systems is structured. I'm so fascinated by that studio overall, like how many different teams they have. I I would love a documentary just on the history of Intelligent Systems, but Nintendo does not seem keen on doing that. So we'll have to just settle with reading more. Getting a new Paper asks. Mario. <laughs> yeah, and I guess playing a new Fantastic <laughs> Paper Mario. Uh, Hazel Mohammed says, oh, I'm sorry. Charles Bean has a, has a better question. We'll get to you later, Hazel. Um, Charles Bean says, hello, fellow game lovers. Hello. I have to get I have to get this off my chest. Being from Kansas City, Missouri is absolutely not a southern state. We we're talking about this in Minfax, Jeff and I were debating which states are southern and we paused on that one and people are outraged. Kansas? Anyways. Wait. <laughs> well, That's look. like mid that is mid Midwest. Well, this that is, is Missouri. Missouri? This is Kansas That's, City, Missouri. That's still Midwest. That's, I know, that is but it feels Midwest. from Minnesota's perspective, it feels a little funky. Oh, just because it's south of Minnesota. That's right. That's most states in the Union, Hanson. I think South Dakota fought for the Confederacy. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I think they call it the Minnesota-Dixon line, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Charles Bean says, Anyway, what is the best grass in video games? I'm looking at you, Crisis 3, he says. Best grass. Good grass. Um... Well, I feel like Zelda games really come through strong of with course. grass. All right, solid, solid. Just I mean, for the cutability. Just visually, Breath of the Wild, just the way. Yeah, it's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking about this. I like that he goes Crisis Three. It seems like practical grass. That's one thing. But I was really thinking about this. I don't think you can top Animal Crossing. Not practical. Not really cuttable but like for the pattern like that triangle mm. pattern that they have in their yeah. grass it is the most appealing beautiful grass yeah. in all the video games for me and the 3ds animal crossing grass is really good the new leaf it's like kind of holographic and shiny um it's honestly it's great it's wonderful <laughs> that's grass in town you <laughs> gotta good check point. out that new good leaf. point good <laughs> point uh, uh the game below good grass in there too oh really yeah. is, that's out on ps4 now or it is coming out it's out, yeah. It is, and okay. The, and the Explorer mode update is out on PC, but not Xbox yet, strangely. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Hazal Mohammed says, quick question. How has everyone's gaming habits changed after a month or so in self-isolation? I'm genuinely curious if there is a difference given that one is usually inside to play console slash PC games. Are people gaming more or less? Are choices in games changing due to being inside more? What say you all about changing habits? My gaming habits are so unhinged now. Like, I cling to anything that gives me some structure. So Animal Crossing, Persona. But, like, I've been juggling, you know, usually I kind of, I'm, like, a one game at a time person. And now I'm just, like, on my bullshit, like, four games at the same time. (laughs) Just give it to me. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm, I don't think mine has really changed too much. Maybe, like, I may, I'm trying to say maybe just larger gaming sessions with friends, but maybe it's just that everybody's playing Warzone, so it's easier to to find a squad amongst my friends. But 
Kyle, anything for you? No, pretty much unchanged. I mean, my my sort of day to day schedule has has kind of remained consistent yeah. since going into quarantine because I was already working from home. Like the only difference now is I, uh, you know, my kids doing homeschooling. So, like mostly mostly unchanged. Yeah, mine as well. I, yeah, I, I feel like I missed out on that whole like, hey, you're not doing anything mentality of the just because I feel like I have been as busy as I've ever been since like my, my situation wasn't really super affected by the quarantine stuff. Yeah. Besides the fact that I can't go outside. Uh, but uh, I think for the most part, I've just been, I think it's mostly been that there hasn't been like a, especially now there, there's not a ton of stuff coming out after final fantasy is kind of like the last thing. And then we don't have much until ghost of Tsushima, as far as we know. So it's felt a little bit more relaxing of like, I can take Final Fantasy at my own pace. I don't have to feel like I'm behind by not playing on like everything else that's out. Yeah. Uh, JT Fells says, what's a question that each of you get asked a lot yet still enjoy answering? Uh, Anna, do you get, is it Anna or Anna constantly? Yeah. Yeah. I get that a lot. Um, can say like, I enjoy answering it, <laughs> but I get it. I get it. Because even my own family, like, gets kind of confused sometimes. Like, what? my extended family. Oh, okay. Would you have, like, a shorthand? Yeah. Like, what's your go-to? If I were to say, Anna, nice to meet you. Um. Well, honestly, like, I'm kind of a timid person, so a lot of times I don't correct. Um. But now I'm very fortunate to have Frozen as a franchise. Oh. So I can point to Princess Anna um, and so more people actually, less people, they ask, more people ask me now if it's Anna or Anna rather than assuming it's Anna because of Frozen. Wow. Way to go, Frozen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm trying to think like the name <laughs> stuff, people bring up Mbop by Hanson maybe like three times a year. I'll get that. And I still am delighted every time. He's like, yeah, I like that song too. Like people think like, oh, you must be <laughs> sick of the Hanson stuff. It's like. No, I don't mind thinking about the band Hanson three times a year. I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's the I mean, from amount. a professional perspective, I, I feel like people ask me a lot, like, how'd you get into game writing, you know? Yeah. Which is like, I, it's always kind of fun to go through that bizarre history, I think, of like how I got into it. So I'm always happy to answer that question for people who are trying to get in themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my answer is that I always like talking career paths. Yeah. Yeah, you think you'd be, get sick of that, but... I don't know. It's just, you know what? You know what I learned doing back when we used to do rapid fire questions at Game Informer. And uh, and then there's that period where Mark McDonald was on the Game Informer show podcast and asked rapid fire questions about me. Uh, that was the weird epiphany of, oh, I know I, a lot of developers love doing rapid fire questions now because it's unbelievably flattering to have somebody <laughs> so invested in something that you love, which is the game they're working on slash themselves, you know? And so it's like, I don't mind being asked any question. It, you know, I went on enough first dates where it's like, I like whipping out the staples. Like, you get the idea across. It's fun. Uh, let's see. Kyle Silva says, for over a month, I've been wanting to submit a quick tip that would resolve an issue Kyle has had with swiping out of games while playing on his iPhone. Did you have this problem? Oh, I think I talked about that with um, trying to play uh, PictoQuest on the iPhone, that like touching oh, the bottom yeah. row would make me kind of like, uh, move the the, uh, All right. the puzzle up. But anyway, yeah, I so, would love to hear this. Uh, take notes. Kyle says, you go to your phone setting, go to okay. accessibility, guided access, okay. turn guided access on. Once it's on, you can triple press the power button to access a mode that allows you to not accidentally swipe out of apps 
unless you triple press again to jump out of the mode. I use this myself okay. while playing Ghost Trick. Interesting. I, I could see myself using that. Yeah, that's cool. There we Thank go. Thank you, Kyle. What a great first name you have. My other mm -hmm. tip for you, Kyle, is to play Ghost Trick. Oh, I have. I'm there. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> I'm not Joe Juba. <laughs> Wait, he hasn't played it? No, he doesn't like it. What the hell? Which I guess is the the wrong... I just wanted to call out Joe for not liking Ghost Trick. Please do. Uh... Adrian says, I think it was last week's episode. Kyle said he'd like Sea of Thieves more if it had an RPG system. Boy, do I have news for Kyle. He can live his dreams in the Sea of Thieves pen and paper RPG game. <laughs> Digging deeper, I found out that Dishonored and the Alien film franchise also has one. What video game or film franchise would you want to turn into a pen and paper RPG? Well, maybe not like pen and paper RPG, but I would like uh, like a board game based on Advance Wars, honestly. Just, oh, of course. Just, just if they made, like, even if they just made, like, little models of all the individual units, I would probably just buy it just for that. Mm. Uh, but I would like to see, like, a, a, a strategy board game uh, based on Advance Wars. Hang on, Suriel. Let me um, just real quick search uh, Steam Workshop tabletop oh, okay. <laughs> simulator. And if it's not there, you can just have Jeff make it. Yeah, send Jeff Mattel. I assume he's working on it right now. Uh, Serial, they have made Advance Wars called Skirmish Wars. Yeah, in Tabletop Simulator on Steam. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. <laughs> they beat you to it. Uh, Muffin Crumbs says, Good evening, Min Maxers. I'm going to tell you some colors, and you're going to try and guess which game best corresponds with them. What? Is this fun? Okay. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, red and Blue. What game is that in your mind? Pokemon? Ooh, well, think of the colors more than the words, if that's possible. I mean, I kind of go Halo, but I think that's the same red versus blue. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario was his suggestion. But... Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. Um, yeah. The colors orange and blue. What? what pops Horrible. You? Yes. Well, I mean, I say yes. That's the one that Muffin Crumbs wrote. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's all interpretive, right? What color? Every, every game cover from, like, what, 2012? Yeah, movie posters. Yes, right? yeah. yeah, Battlefield 3, yep. Uh, green and black. What franchise? Halo. Mm. Uh, probably, like, a bunch of, like, Bioware-esque RPGs. I don't know. There's... Interesting. Uh, they're going for Call of Duty 4. Which I, I guess see, is the I green and black cover. Camouflage it a little bit. Purple and orange. Splatoon? Waluigi. <laughs> Not a game. <laughs> Just a lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they go for Spyro the Dragon, where it's like, yeah, I can see that. All, all great choices. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, oh, I don't know about this. Yellow and brown. What game comes to mind? The old poo-poo well, pee-pee game. Which one pops <laughs> into your mind? Uh, Bulletstorm. Pikachu and Eevee. The oh, game. that's really interesting, Cyril. Uh, for Muffin Crumbs, he says Animal Crossing. Where it's like, ah, more mm. green and brown? I don't know. Um, let's see. Purple and black. Any? Destiny. Ooh. Kind of comes to mind to me. Interesting. He went for Saints Row the Third. All right, last Muffin. one. Black, white, and pink. Which game's branding has nailed pink? It's the pinkest game. Rage? Wow. Yeah, Rage 2. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, I was like, oh, is there a Kirby that emphasizes black and white? But uh, GTA Vice City pops out for Muffin Crumbs here. I was like, yeah, it was kind of pink. They had okay. pink t-shirts for Vice City. Um, Kyle, how would you review that game? Weird game, dumb game? 
Uh, interesting. Very. Okay. Uh, there's no right answer or wrong answer, really. And right. I think the fun part of games is you giving us crap for getting the answers wrong. So, but interesting. It's interesting for that to play that game in your head of like, what colors do I associate with yeah. a video game? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so right. Travis. Yeah. Hey, Muffin Crumbs, that was all right. Uh, Travis Brinkley says, I've been watching a lot of Bon Appetit during the quarantine. In their last video, they said that their entire staff of professional chefs agree that mayo is the only option for grilled cheese. I wasn't sure mm. if there was still a debate, but there you have it. I feel like cereal settled that for min snacks because you preferred the mayo grilled cheese. Yeah, surprisingly, which I would not have thought going in. There it is. Uh, Donnie says, which video game, video game character would you like to be quarantined with and who would be the worst one? I think Sam from The Outer Worlds would be nice because I wouldn't have to clean. Kratos would be pretty bad. I wouldn't want a drama queen in my tiny apartment. Yeah, he's a little moody. All right. little fantastical stuff here. The worst video game character to be quarantined with. Kyle. This this question in my mind for... I was looking at like Resident Evil 4 screenshots the other day on Steam. Yeah. And they have that screenshot of that enemy you encounter later in the game who just like erupts in spikes. And the screenshot just has it standing really close to Leon. So that was the first one in my mind that I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be roommates with that thing during this quarantine. Well, if you practice social distancing, it might not be that bad. Yeah, how long are those It has spikes? built in social distancing. Uh, yeah. Serial, I was also thinking Jeff would be a bad oh, quarantine yes. buddy. From, from Half Life Alex? Uh, no, Jeff Markyfava. Oh, I see. <laughs> No, yeah, from Half-Life Alex. Well, yeah, he's too obsessed with making that Animal Crossing game. You can't be in the same house (laughs) with him. He's a genius. He's just all consumed by this thing. Uh, Uh, I feel like any of the, like that, the server robots from Fallout would be pretty good characters to be quarantined with. Good? Yeah. And then a worse would be Cloud because he's like an emo jerk and he has, (laughs) it'd be just weird because like if he's not leaving the house, has that giant sword yeah. you're trying to move it unless he keeps it at some place where it's out of the way. It's like, <laughs> and even then it's it on the door frame. It's like moving your car, having to move your car all the time. You just have to keep reminding him to move his sword. <laughs> uh, I was thinking like uh, it seems like not a big deal at first, but it's going to be a big problem. But the Katamari Prince. You know, it's, yeah, I was thinking about it to like be great to remove the clutter. But then what if you get rolled up? Yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> While you sleep, he's going to break your legs to roll it up into this ball. Uh, Sam Morrow says, good day, quarantine quarrelers. Uh, quarantine has given me, has given many people time to go through backlogs and play games that they may have missed out on, which got me to thinking, what games do not get the respect you think they deserve? For me personally, hearing your love and fondness for Chrono Trigger made me think of why don't people bring up Chrono Cross more? It's a broad question, but yeah. games that deserve more respect and love. Um, I played an indie title called Rakuen, I think two years ago now. Um, and it just had like the most beautiful story that I've ever played in a game. And um, like the gameplay is pretty simple. You know, it's like a general RPG where you play as a kid in a hospital. But I was pretty surprised like that that doesn't like still get brought up every now and then. What is the name um, of it? Rakuen, so it's uh, R-A-K-U-E-N. Um, and the composer, Laura Shinghara, um, has like done work for like a bunch of like big titles, like JRPG-type games. Huh. Um, so the, the soundtrack is incredible, and the story is just like so touching. Like I haven't seen anything like it in a game before, and so I'm surprised it doesn't get like more hype, I guess. Wow, and it's on Steam? Uh, yeah, it's on Steam. Um, it might be on switch actually no i don't think it's on switch but okay. it's on steam oh that's yeah. awesome um i was um 
maybe this is how the quarantine has shaped my gaming habits, but I realized like, oh, my girlfriend loves Mario Kart. Uh, and my Wii U is just sitting here with Mario Kart 8. So I brought my Wii U and like all those games over to her place. Like, we'll just play all this stuff here. Uh, and so I uh, made her play against her will. Uh, Super Mario 3D Land, sorry, 3D World, and then also Rayman Legends. We've been going back through those. And like, I know 3D World is beloved. Still, when we're talking about the 3D Mario games, maybe I didn't fight for it enough. Like, I think that game is unbelievably brilliant. And the thing that I forgot about was like just the art design and just the Kotabi art and how clean everything is in that game. And the fact that like it is the most accessible approach to 3D Mario while still feeling complex enough for like, oh, I feel like I'm not missing out on too much. It doesn't feel like a baby game. It is like this perfect balance in there. And then Rayman Legends on Wii U is still, I think, one of the greatest platformers of all time. And it frustrates me to no end to know that they stripped out or complicated a lot of the Murphy stuff where on the gamepad you control Murphy the frog and you're like moving things around the environment and helping your co-op buddies along the way. But then in all other versions, like the PS4 and even the Switch version, you can't play co-op with Murphy. Whereas like so many of those levels were designed for that. And especially there's a level in Rayman Legends called like the Deadly Lights, where it's all underwater and you have to like control lights and switch levers at just the right time so the other players aren't hit by these lights that kill them. And it's like one of my favorite platforming levels ever. And so, you know, they're obvious, maybe mainstream choices, but I still think those two games back in 2013 are some of the best platforming experiences i've ever had i mean we use whole library almost fits i guess so yeah you know yeah yeah that's a good point um no underdogs cal uh kano class i guess i'm always fighting for that one the old classic you kind of seem to have given up the fight though with that half (laughs) (laughs) well it's been out for a while there was something i saw yeah i think the thing that always bummed me out is i think there was some Gosh, I think it was the Game Awards had like best indie game and they had the Messenger in there, which is a fine game. I don't have a problem with the Messenger, but like Iconoclast wasn't. And I was like, this like wipes the floor with that game and it's not even in the list, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think Alloy will be my my indie game that I really like a whole lot and all seems to have played. Yeah. Except for like other critics who had to review the game and they all liked it, but no one (laughs) seems to really talk about that game. Well, Bob Beale won the plushie for my IMA bit for the. That's true. So hopefully he's played the game. Yeah. He'll have to check it out. Um, Bob, oh my God, I didn't even realize this. Bob Buell wrote in, uh, he says, howdy, Jeffum and the other couple fellas. Yeah, sorry, Bob. Uh, he says, now that hip hop to Chocobo is taking the world by storm and topping all the charts from Final Fantasy VII Remake, I humbly ask this query. What is the best song specifically made for a video game? I'm in love with D'Angelo's song for Red oh, Dead Redemption. God, that's a great oh, suggestion. Yeah, that's of a good course. answer. Um, and well, like I the story behind my it, list cool. now. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Anna? What was the second part? Oh no! And the story behind it is like interesting as well. Rolling Stone did like a little write up on like how that came to be, oh. um, and apparently D'Angelo would just like go in and like to the studios and just um, like play till four a.m. or something. <laughs> and like this was way before they even talked about like having like he knew one of the developers there and would just go and play and just had like this weird relationship for like a while. And then eventually they're like, Hey, you want to make a song for our game? It's like, yeah, sure. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a great choice. Absolutely. Kyle, help me out with portal two. I remember the national had exile vilify, but is that just like a single that they snuck into the game or was that made specifically for portal two? I think it was made specifically for Portal 2. Okay, because that's a good song. But I mean, song. I, think the, I think the better choice, though, would be the 
the Jonathan Colton songs, right? Still alive. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, oh, you say plural. That's interesting. I love the second song. I think the second one's a better song, you know, but the first one definitely had that surprise element. Yeah. I've, was I've, like, I've played through Portal 2 twice. I don't remember the song. Um, It's good. What's What's like the name or the theme of it i don't even recall it's uh, um gosh uh, you're putting me on the spot now and i'm yeah. like all talking about it. but it's uh, you know like um i'm and, uh, happy that you're gone okay okay yeah um, i'll have to go back and listen to that yeah one. i i love that version like i think that's like a, in terms of like listening to that song outside of the game i think that second one is better yeah but, yeah but i mean i'm, I'm for one thing like one long-term gaming thing i will forever be grateful about is beating Portal before hearing that song, before it getting ruined by memes and, and stuff like that. Like right. I got to, I got, I beat Portal One fast enough to hear that for the first time in the credits, and it was just incredible. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Witty nickname here I, says hello, Hanson, and the wait, wait, we're, we oh. didn't talk about Jump Up Superstar or Snake Eater. Well, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I that's took fine. this that's, to... that's all I have to say about those two. I just but those to make are like songs within the game. I see it as like artists kind of contributing a song, but. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They are master classes. Um, That's it. Witty nickname here says, Hello, Hanson and Electronics Adoring Acolytes. Hello. Uh, <laughs> you like to say that the patrons are your bosses in this endeavor, so here are your orders. When you launch the eventual interview show, I have a request for your first interview subject, a thousand cicadas. <laughs> what? All right, uh, all right Hanson, yeah. that's, that's that's all you. That's a, that's a very <laughs> funny idea. What if sincerely that's what I did? It's like, all right, we hit our goal on Patreon. Time to launch the interview show. Yeah. Here's one thousand cicadas for an hour. And you're just like shouting. You're like, so what was it like to be so integral to Neon Genesis Evangelion? <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Uh, so, uh, oh, also Bob Buell asked us uh, to go back in time. He says, can I get you all to wave to your respective cameras in unison so I can gif it for new patron celebrations in the discord? Yeah. yeah Bob's a master of gifts. So hang on, Anna, are you dying? <laughs> what are you doing? I just, I just choked on my spit a little bit <laughs> thinking about a thousand. <laughs> I, I just leave me here. <laughs> like okay. I'll rough it out by myself. Okay. So we all have to wave in unison, yeah. I believe, right? Like it seems like the most fun thing to do. Although syncing it up over the the delay for the video call is going to be crazy, but okay, we'll just. Something oh, you're like doing this. it two hands, right? Is this going to work? And then everyone look right in your camera. All right, thank you, Bob Buell, for gifting us up a storm. You're a gift to us, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Honest, <laughs> he's a gift to us. That's a good point. Uh, Time Bomb Tom is a new supporter. Thank you, Time Bomb. Um, Tom, says, hey, so if your podcast was animated, Looney Tunes style, which character would portray you? <clears throat> it has to be a Looney Tune? <laughs> it has to be a Looney Tune. Kyle, which Looney Tune are you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we all want to say Bugs Bunny, but we're not I don't Bugs know. Bunny. I, see, because I want to no, say... I'm not Bugs Bunny. Yeah, yeah, like my favorites are like Roadrunner and Marvin the Martian, but it's like, I don't think that lines up. I, I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I identify with the personalities. I, I identify brother, with, go ahead. I was going to say, my brother drew a picture of me as a youngster because I was really rambunctious and I was always like tapping on things and playing drums where I kind of looked like um, the the devil spinny Taz? guy. We all know. Oh, him. Tasmanian devil? Yeah, but like I'm not quite that insane anymore, but maybe devil that, Devil spinning guy. 
Yeah, we do. Well, everyone knows him and loves him. I haven't thought about him in a long time. I mean, he's great. I'm a big fan, but I just, you know. His recent work, uh, you know. Even in, you know what, honestly, just to complain about Taz a little bit, I love Taz, of course. But I remember Space Jam, a movie I loved. His big moment is when he cleans up the gym, and then he has his big line, and he cleans up the gym, and then he goes, Lemony Fresh. And I was like, that's the joke, Taz? Is Lemony Fresh? That sucks. <laughs> is that product placement? I don't know. It's the first time no, I was he ever was really disappointed. Product there. placement in Space Jam? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the soul don't of Space absurd. Jam. Surreal? <laughs> uh, 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 I really identify with like, um, so this is maybe a, a weird deviation, but like, so just imagine like Tweety Bird, right? But yeah. it's on like a shirt and it's like a little bit bedazzled, mm-hmm. but it's got like some <laughs> sassy catchphrase and she's like right. looking all, mm, I'm going to, and there's some <laughs> motto like, don't talk to me on Mondays or whatever the hell yeah. they put on those t-shirts. I feel like that's really... Uh, so you're specifically Dan, that version of Tweety Bird. That's right. The, the version of Tweety that appears on all the shirts and stuff. So yeah. are you like an animated shirt? Is it like the carpet from Aladdin? <laughs> that's like, right. Especially if it's like, or, or like a, 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 a GIF or a GIF of like Tweety Bird doing something and there's like some very like uh, flowery text that's like in rainbow colors and it's like flashing. Right, right. And it's, it just says like sassy or whatever the hell. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. I love it. Sure. Anna? Sassy cereal, we call it. <laughs> That's right. Anna, does anything come to mind? Uh, the only Looney Tunes character that I can vibe with is uh, Wile E. Coyote. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because you're evil and you like eating yeah. birds alive? I want, more specifically, I want to see what happens when I drop two ton uh, weights on things. Oh, okay. That's really <laughs> smart. It's all about that. It's though. all yeah. for yeah. science. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about it on the Game Informer show, but it's still... I saw somebody tweet out a video of it years ago, and I went to then the Game Informer Vault to play it just to confirm it's in the game, and it is the most mind-blowing thing. But there's a section in the PlayStation 1 game called Sheep Raider, which is a terrible name for uh, a Looney Tunes game. But you play as as Wile E. Coyote trying to run down uh, the Roadrunner, and they literally do the joke in-game of you following this path trying to get Roadrunner, and then there is um, uh, a tunnel through a mountain, and you run through it, and then it turns out that it was just a flat thing uh, that you slam into. And like to pull it off successfully in the game is just an amazing culmination of that Looney Tunes joke for the world. And I want to appreciate Sheep Raider on the PlayStation <laughs> One. Rest and that's that. Background. Wait, that's your Looney Tune is the PS One yeah. game Sheep Raider. I don't. Know. I was thinking. I was thinking. I was like, I guess. Even though I don't really like Bugs Bunny, it's like, well, maybe that's the role. But it's specifically kind of like the wacky Bugs Bunny, you know, when he's like, wow, wow, every once in a while, he'll like <laughs> slip into like freak out mode. I'm that Bugs Bunny, not the cool one. Yeah. The There's gray bunny. The cool, <laughs> Wait, the cool this, Bugs Bunny the with sunglasses. Around. Uh, what, what is your story there, Kyle? Oh, yeah, we were watching. I was watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit with my kid for the first time. Great movie. And Bugs Bunny shows up in the background, and my daughter excitedly goes, oh, I know that character. And I was like, oh, you do? Who is that? And she looked at me and paused, and she said, the gray bunny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so isn't, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit one of those movies that maybe kids shouldn't watch? Like, I, it's been a long oh, time it's, since it's I've watched it. Oh, it's effed up. Yeah. I, it okay. scarred me as a kid. <laughs> I mean, I fell asleep. I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> just trauma okay, just like this scene, all that stuff. <laughs> Anyways, Nicholas O'Connor said, with the stoppage of, 
I didn't know about this. With the stoppage of new DLC for Rocksmith 2014, it reminds me that this was a good game and it helped me learn a few songs on guitar. Now, if only I kept playing since 2014, maybe I could have been the next Van Halen slash or Buckethead. But I think it's nice to reflect on Rocksmith and like, that was a really cool thing that Ubisoft did. And remember when we went to the studio for South Park Fractured But Whole, that was the studio that uh, developed Rocksmith. And like, it wasn't until I was at that studio that I realized like what a big deal that game was and how successful it was for Ubisoft overall. But like, it really built up that entire studio that went on to make one South Park game and then has gone radio silence since then. Yeah, they must be doing something. But yeah, that was like, yeah, it, you do walk into that studio and you're kind of like, oh, this was all for Rocksmith, huh? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Hey, way to go, Rocksmith. Yeah. Uh, Scott Castro is back. He says, all right, it's time for DLC or Simpsons round two. You, <laughs> you know the drill. I give you a title. You tell me if it's the title of DLC or the title of a Simpsons episode. Anna, do you like the Simpsons? Yeah. Okay, good. All right. No pressure. Yeah. Uh, also, on the episode two weeks ago, Ben bemoaned that the Simpsons episodes must have been from later seasons. All episodes were pulled from seasons one through 11. All right. I stand corrected. All right. Here we go. Grift. Oh, I guess we got to go one by one. Serial. Grift of the Magi. Uh, Simpsons. Simpsons episode. In this episode, Mafia boss Fat Tony successfully extorts a large sum of money from Springfield Elementary School, forcing Skinner to close it down. Kyle, burial yes. at sea. Oh, well, that's, uh, hold on. <laughs> I mean, it's DLC, but now I'm like second guessing myself. It's Bioshock DLC, right? Yeah, way to go. Yeah. Uh, Anna, the Cartridge family. Simpsons? Yep. Homer purchases a gun to protect his family. Serial, girly edition. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say DLC. This is a Simpsons episode. Lisa and Bart must co-anchor a new news program. Uh, okay, I, I'll they skip. They a lot of shenanigans over there, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, Cold Cold Heart. DLC? Do you have any guesses what it's for? Uh, no, I, I keep thinking Wilson's Heart, that VR uh, game. But think, who's the coldest, <laughs> DLC? Who's the coldest character from a video game? Is it Batman? Yes, it's Batman Arkham Origins DLC. Yeah, way to go. Okay, I don't think I played that. That's weird. Uh, I played all the other DLCs. Ooh, okay, Anna. The Doctor Who Cloned Me. Uh, so you cut out, but you said Simpsons? Yeah. I'm sorry. This is DLC for Duke Nukem oh. Forever, and we're ashamed that you didn't know that. No. Serial? <laughs> uh, uh, that one's too easy. Uh, Naked City. Uh, I think it's DLC. It's DLC for L.A. Noir. Uh, Kyle, mm. they shall not pass. Uh, I'm gonna go Simpsons. That's DLC for Battlefield One. Oh, I thought maybe it was like a Lord of the Rings reference. In oh, Simpsons. interesting. Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, way to go. Thank you for the game, uh, Scott Castro. Just wonderful. Uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? Uh, I wrote down the one I like. I was trying to be prepared. Uh, the quarantine. The quarantine question. Which quarantine? Where you're, who, who would you want to be quarantined with and who would you not want to be quarantined oh, with? Oh, really? That was fun. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. I love the grass and gaming thing. Yeah. I liked the grass as well. Did you? Serial, mm -hmm. where are you leaning on this one? Uh, I, I'm thinking grass, grass, or grass. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right, grass it Charles is. Charles <laughs> Bean, best grass and gaming. Thank you so much, Charles. I am 8-Bit. We'll ship you out. Hang on. Let me go get something for you.
Oh, what is he getting? He's by the TV. Look at this. Friend of the show. Oh. Uh, it is the Mario and Rabbids soundtrack from Grant Kirkhope. Um, and also there were people losing their mind that I was opening the, the album that we're going to be shipping out to these people. But this is something that I'm, if it sent us, they actually ship the stuff that the Question of the Week winner gets from their mm. warehouse and stuff. But yeah, What is the great song on there? The, like the battle theme specifically, I think? Yeah, I there's think like it's like... one real... I mean, the, the soundtrack's all good, but there's one big standout track, I remember. I think it's like the Donkey Kong fight. I Boss think battle early on. Yeah, it's like fantastic. So thank you so much, Charles Bean, and thank you to I Am 8-Bit for shipping out some wonderful prizes to all these folks. And now it's time for Get a Load of This. Surreal, you got something uh, good? Uh, yeah, so uh, get a load of this. Uh, if you've been trying to buy a Switch, you might have noticed that you can't because uh, <laughs> there's uh, national shortages of uh, Switch basically everywhere. Switch and Switch lights are both basically constantly sold out. Um, but apparently some enterprising person, and I, I, you know, I don't know how much of this is actually confirmable, but someone posted a guide called How to Build a Nintendo Switch uh, to starve online price gougers. So apparently uh, this guy built a guide that said is uh, so he he basically is like saying like, oh, I'm really mad at price gougers for like charging $600 for a switch. And so I guess someone said, uh, here here's a list of components you can put together basically. And he lists them all out and they add up to like $200 and it's like game cartridge slot board, a socket board with headphones port, a Nintendo Switch micro console, like memory card slot, like components. And apparently you can just buy all this stuff and somehow build yourself a Nintendo Switch from scratch. What? Uh, which it seems like ridiculous because like, I don't know how the, like the, like how, how would you get something to read the SD, like the yeah. Switch cards? But apparently this guy said like, uh, <laughs> what is, so is this a scam? Like, You're running it, it, it guide. blueprints to build your own functioning switch that will play switch cartridges. This is what it looks like. Someone, <laughs> Sorry, uh, that's I saw the this most on confusing Twitter, thing I've ever heard. But I like I'm I'm I am questioning whether or not it's real. So I would love <laughs> I would love to actually try this. But don't he has do like, it, anybody. Here's like, don't do here's this. Here's a list of components. He has like a, a a step by step guide that includes like, hey, here's how you put the LCD screen together. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you gotta stop strange. hawking this stuff. Squeaky There's no how way. to make your own switch. <laughs> I, even if it's not true, I think it's like fascinating to see like all of the components because there's like there are components that are all like very close to what you use in a switch. Like there's a yeah. like, touchscreen digitizer thing, uh, and uh, like the comments are like like. Oh, this looks pretty interesting. But also, I will say that as of today, I think they're resuming like the product chain for switches so the u.s is supposed to get switches soon so so hopefully you won't have to do this but it seems wild to me that so that you would be able to actually do this yeah yeah and i'm skeptical going in but just like seeing this uh seems very strange so i i'll post the the obviously we'll have the 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 actual post in the guide screen and people can tell me whether or not this is garbage or not but like it's (laughs) He, the the picture and picture he has here seems very interesting. So yes, All right. that's great. Uh, look at. Kyle, what do you got? Uh, hey, get a load of this. I found some uh, blueprints online to build a PlayStation Five, and <laughs> if you do it right, uh, just Last of Us Two just starts playing right away. It looks legit. Wow, uh, comment wow. really positive. PS Five game. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, okay, but for real, get a load of this. Um, 
this is uh, a tweet from Brianna White, who she has. She actually has two Twitter accounts, as near as I can tell. One is her like acting resume Twitter account, and one is her like gaming and streaming Twitter account. Yeah. But her uh, claim to fame, she hasn't. This is her first video game that she's been in, but she does the voice of Aerith in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh yeah. And she tweeted a little clip from uh, her first live stream of her. She was playing Final Fantasy Final Fantasy VII Remake. And she got to the first point where you hear Aerith talk. Right. And it is so sweet to the point that it's hard for me to watch because it's she really basically so like burst into tears. Because uh, she's just so excited to hear her voice in the game and hear her voice as Aerith. And she like, the second Aerith utters anything, her hand like immediately goes to her mouth and she's like trying to stop herself from crying because she's so excited. It's just, it's really sweet and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really nice. And it made me, it, it made me cry uh, just watching her be so excited really? to see herself in the game or hear herself in the game rather. Am I a so. complete cynical monster for being like, yeah, she's an actor. Like, that's her I, job. It's, it, I, it feels genuine to me, okay. honestly. Like okay. uh, watching it, I, I really do. Like, cause I, I honestly, I, I see that reaction because also she's like, she pulled the clip and tweeted it on her multiple accounts and retweeted it herself and stuff. But like you watch it and it's like, it's, it feels very genuine to me. Okay. That's, that's sweet. Uh, Anna. Um, yeah, something super interesting. So get a load of this. Woo! There was a new leak of uh gen one Pokemon development material, what? including what? a possible Pokemon pink. Because Clefairy, it was originally, Clefairy was going to be the original mascot of Pokemon. Yeah. And then Pikachu took the reins. And so they're guessing that uh, at some point there could have been plans for a Pokemon pink featuring Clefairy. Is it, and it seems legit? Yeah, it does. I looked it up. So the, um, like it's been reported on by multiple sites. Like the leak was from you know, 4chan, but oh um, it's like source material is from like a leak multiple years ago that someone was arrested for. Um, and so the website that I was looking at, like my source was a Twitter handle called Dr. Lava's Lost Pokemon. Huh. Um, and he seems like pretty, I mean, he's like a reputable voice in general on like Lost Pokemon, um, sort of like Pokemon dev history. Yeah. Um, and so it's not like confirmed, confirmed, you know, because we can never know for sure um but like a lot like the existing evidence like points to yeah like this was a thing that was going to exist that's awesome yeah. the um, i mean yeah. hansen you've learned the hard way that game freak they will never uh verify that kind of stuff like ever right? yeah it's very frustrating I, th- I talked about it before on the min max show but yeah we did a rapid fire interview with uh masuda over there and omori at game freak and i showed uh them pictures of the leaks from silver and gold and i was like do you remember the names of any of these Pokemon or something like that. Um, and they like would not look at the phone. It was like a very serious thing of like, we cannot let the Pokemon company see us acknowledge that these leaked Pokemon got out there. Like it was like deadly serious. And it was bizarre. Um, anyways, Hey, uh, get a load of this. Uh, coming this summer is checks quest HD, this fan <laughs> project that has been, Worked on since 2016, as far as I can tell. And the part that I'm very confused about is now it seems like it is an official thing. And General Mills is actually publishing this on Steam. I I don't know that it's a fan project. From the boxed serial, like the game? Yes, the old Quest. Who's developing it? Wait, it's fan made? 
I that's what I, I that, had that impression. I don't think it is. I think it's the the people who made the original. It's like two guys, I think. Oh, okay, but I didn't know that they I had could be the wrong license. about this. Yeah, I was confused about the license, I guess overall. But then it seems like okay, now it's gotten a blessing, and so it's releasing this summer on Steam for free, and they added two player support and different characters and stuff. But fun to see Chex Quest come back in a bizarre way, and I look forward to playing Chex Quest HD for the Great Goaty Hunt stream hopefully sometime over the summer. Um, but we also have the community get a load of this pulled from the Discord that you get access to if you support Patreon at any tier. Uh, Forrest L. posted a story from today that Kotaku ran, which is Outer Worlds writers hire Outer Wilds writer. Oh, no. I, that was ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it is absurd. Oh, so Obsidian has so hired uh, a writer who worked on Outer Wilds just to confuse absolutely everybody. Um, and I think... <laughs> Yeah, they had a funny line, too, where... Oh, hang on. See if I can find it. Kelly Beecham. Yeah, Kelly Beecham is the writer... Or, sorry, Kelsey. And she said, Don't worry, I'm working on a clear mnemonic. Uh, Obsidian's the studio I work for, and they made the Outer Worlds, like with O capitalized. <laughs> so it's fun that everybody's having a good time still with Outer Worlds versus Outer Wilds. Also, um, no clip just started their... Outer world stuff, and it seems pretty solid so far. So check that out. Following um, up their outer wilds. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, I opened this album like the Mario versus Rabbids, uh, and you made a mess. Yeah. I made a mess. It is unbelievable. It's like they have like a texture mustache on here. The oh, album is see through, which is always great. And then it comes with all these standees of different Mario characters that you can pop out and like. Set up. So, anyways, show I made it some love because this thing is a lot cooler than I expected. Opening yeah. this thing up. You know what? You know what I just thought of. This is a free idea that I am Mapit can really have. Yeah. Is they should make a vinyl of the Brutal Legend soundtrack. Yeah. And have it formatted exactly like that vinyl from the menu. Oh my God, that'd be so fun. That'd Absolutely. Cool. And they already do stuff with Psychonauts and, and Double yeah. Fine in general. But anyways, exactly. uh, show them some love. Uh, and thanks to some of our biggest supporters here at MinMax. I am 8-Bit, Easygoing Gaming, Juar Hello, Seth Walker, The Smack, Mark Seliga, Jesse Vitelli, Mirko Arico Toreno, Zachary Pliggy, Ludwig Roque, James Smith, Steve Bomdad, David Lacalucci, Rob Hudak, Yarrow, Michael Jacques, and Cameron Wardlaw. Thank you for supporting MinMax at the $50 tier and for getting us over that hump so we can create the interview show. That should be super fun. Yeah, um, that's exciting. Anna, anything you want to plug? Um, Yeah, Feel free to follow me on Twitter. If, if anyone's interested in more like crazy Roblox news, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Anna likes Pikachu. Um, I'll, you know, if you want to know like where the latest Roblox ripoff of Call of Duty is, mm. hit me up. Okay, sweet, um, sweet. They exist. They're out there. Um, also follow um, my employer uh, at Hey Glitch um, for cool, dope gaming stuff and local games yeah and they're the publishers of uh hyperdot which i just mm -hmm. saw is going to be coming to xbox games pass pretty soon and so everybody mm -hmm. can check that out and give charles the developer some feedback because that game still rules but cool that sounds great serial kyle anything you want to say i love you all great stay safe stay healthy perfect be good have fun let's go